One, two, is this on? <laughs> Yo, Jimmy, hit me with that triple H. <laughs> Yo, you let the music keep playing, Mr. Dunn. Yo, tell me who's time it is now. Just in case you've forgotten. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the two-time wrestling radio show of the year. Wrestling News Live. The bad boys of wrestling radio, the trade dog. We will never use the words shit, fuck, god, Jesus, fuck, or any other racial or sexual slurs. And JJ Sexay. I did not. I repeat, I did not sleep with that young intern. As a matter of fact, I was up. Oh, nice. Wrestling News Live. For the fans, by the fans. That's right, the franchise is back. Wrestling News Live. Your hosts, the Trey Dog and JJ Sexay. All right, guys, welcome to this edition of Wrestling News Live. Of course, I am the man known as Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ Sexay. I gotta be real honest. I uh, I was not a big fan tonight of the big 900th episode of Monday Night Raw. Maybe I'm just not drinking the Kool Aid. I don't know. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But joining me on the program, of course, the host of Wrestling News Live, Guess who's back. the Trey Dog, is in the house. Don't piss me off. They say I'm cocky. 
So I guess the million dollar question is what made number 900 different than number 899? That is the million dollar question, Trey Dog. Or 901. I, I mean, I, I, I hate to start out disgruntled, but I mean, I was expecting fireworks and, you know, blasts from the past. It was just another Raw. Very much so. It was just your average, typical episode of Monday Night Raw. For weeks, you've been promoting the 900th episode. It's a big deal, because it's 900 episodes. It's the biggest, the most of any TV show ever. 900 episodes. Can I tell you where today I I had an inclination that that Raw was going to be just kind of raw not that you know i mean i'm not saying that raw being raw is a bad thing i'm just saying i I was like i said being 900 and the promotion behind it i was really expecting there to be a lot more to it but i was online this afternoon late this afternoon and noticed that sean michaels had said he wasn't going to be there austin said he wasn't going to be there um the one that floored me was the guy who was on the microphone for most most of those 900 episodes and Jim Ross, and he said he wasn't going to be there either. I mean, how do you not get Jim Ross there? At least bring him out and let him, you know, get the applause from the crowd he deserves. No, well, exactly. That was kind of my point, too. I mean... Uh... If anything, Jr. should have been brought out, should have been acknowledged, and he should have been able to say a couple words. But, I mean, obviously, if he wasn't there, he wasn't there. I mean, the bottom line is we didn't see anything, or excuse me, maybe I'm, maybe I'm generalizing this too much. I don't want to put false pretenses out there. Maybe I went into this episode with high hopes, in which case well, I, I was let down. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be alone in... In, in expecting tonight to be more than it was. I mean, what was the what was the point in the promotion? What was the point in all the, you know, hype leading into it? There really wasn't much when you think about it. it, it really, I mean, did we even have to promote 900 episodes? Was it that big a deal? Because you did nothing when the show aired except Michael Cole every five seconds say, it's the historic 900th episode of Raw. Shut the fuck up, Michael. Shut the fuck up, Cole. Because you guys did nothing, nothing, to signify the significance of having 900 episodes. Nothing. I mean, even, you know, and they really didn't even do a lot of video packages showing, you know, highlights from the best of Raw. Um, but I mean, even they could have even gotten people that you haven't heard of in years that were part of the early Raws or even the Attitude Era and left them do a little video package, something. I mean, I, I tell you what, and this is no bullshit, Twitter today was more enjoyable, I won't say enjoyable, Twitter today was more of a trip down memory lane with, you know, Raw than 
the show was with people coming on Twitter saying, hey, congratulations, people that aren't there anymore, people that are in TNA now, people that aren't even wrestling anymore coming on through their outlets and their sources, whatever they may be, and congratulating Vince and Raw on number 900. They did more on Twitter today to promote and, and, and acknowledge the past than they ever did on the show tonight. I completely agree with you there. I mean, it was it was pretty fucked up. I, you know, I mean, at I'm one point... Saying, I'm not saying I expected, you know, the best Raw ever, but I mean, shit, something different. Well, again, 900 episodes, I expected a lot. And again, that's obviously where I screwed up. I had high expectations going into this. And, you know, maybe we should go well, ahead... I think we all did. I think we did. We should go ahead and get things started with the Raw recap. So, uh, you know... Commemorating this special 900th episode edition, I wanted to do something a little special. I wanted to to have a nice little raw opening for Josh Pedra. And with that said, let's kick it over to the raw recap. And now it's time for the official raw recap. With Josh Pedro. JP, how you doing? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am back for another Raw recap with my own special intro, courtesy of one JJ Sexay. Good evening, fellas. Well, we figured we'd make your appearance on the show more entertaining than the 900th episode of Raw. So there you go. Yes, indeed. And uh, next time, I'll take the next evolutionary step from custom intro and do the raw recap in a robe, because you know that's the next step in wrestling. You have to wear a robe. Well, yeah. Exactly, exactly. You know, I didn't, not that I was cheating on our chat room, but the stream that I was watching Raw on tonight was absolutely horrible. I finally, for the second hour of the show, got something I could watch the show better on, but it had its own chat room. And I gotta tell you. The chat room I was in watching the show was going ape shit nuts about how horrible and lackluster this show really was. And we'll just we'll let you do your thing, JP, but I mean, it was really over the top tonight on how unhappy the the viewers on the internet and there was three thousand people watching the stream I was watching. I don't know how, how many was in the chat room. But they were all upset. Well, they had good reason. This, um, Even if you weren't looking at this as the 900th episode of Raw, this seemed like a below-average Raw uh, to many of us. And I guess uh, we'll start talking about it and get the recap underway to find out why this was a lackluster Raw. And uh, our opening segment involves Bret Hart. He comes out and talks about the history of Monday Night Raw, how he was a part of the very first one, and he gets interrupted by Kane. Uh, Kane comes out and says he wants to take out a legend like The Undertaker took out Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania, so he decides to attack Bret Hart. This brings out the Hart Dynasty to try and save him, but they ultimately fail until The Undertaker himself shows up. Then the GM, of course, wants to make his little presence known. And he makes a rematch from SummerSlam 97, Bret Hart against The Undertaker for the quote-unquote main event in honor of Raw's 900th episode. So that in and of itself uh, boggled the mind since we all know Bret Hart can't wrestle anymore. 
Yeah, the minute they announced that, I think we all pretty much knew that that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, it did uh, turn into a segment, but uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. We do have an opening match, which did uh, entertain me, at least uh, for a little bit. Kofi Kingston and Michael McGillicuddy against the team of Ring of Honor's uh, Daniel Bryan and Caval, as we've dubbed it in the chat room, and then Alex Riley and The Miz in a three-way tag match. And pretty good match, uh, solid action, but we saw the uh, end come with The Miz and Alex Riley getting the win via a skull-crushing finale on Caval. And after the match, we get the continuation of the storyline between The Miz and Daniel Bryan as Miz attacks him. So there you go. Fun little match to open up Monday Night Raw. Some great action. And uh, we get the furthering of the storyline between Miz and Daniel Bryan, which should lead the Night of Champions in the U.S. title match, hopefully pretty soon. Which, i got to be honest, uh, I'm, I'm, again, maybe I'm having high expectations here. Maybe I'm wrong for this, but I, I just... I, I have this feeling that since they're really pushing Miz toward this uh, this world title run that we all think he's going to get, I, I can't see Daniel Bryan or Daniel Danielson or Brian Danielson or whatever the hell you want to call the guy. I can't see him walking out of Night of Champions without that United States Championship. Now, maybe, may, maybe when he wins that title, maybe he'll actually try to bring some prestige back to that belt. Maybe he'll make it something important again. You know, he'll go out and defend it every once in a while. And, you know, showcase that it's a mid-card talent, and it's a stepping stone for guys who are on the cusp of that next level. Maybe that's just high hopes on my end. Maybe I should stop. Yeah, because we all know what happens with high hopes. We get a raw like tonight. And speaking of uh, high hopes or lack thereof, we get a Divas match next. Uh, Lake Cool against Even Molina. And this match was around for about the length of a cup of coffee to steal a line from Trey. Uh, as Melina gets, uh, and Melina and Eve get the roll-up via, or I'm sorry, Melina and Eve get the pin via roll-up on Layla. It'd helpful if I read my notes right. And then after the match, we get a little bit of a segment here where Laycool challenges Melina to a unification match at Night of Champions. Melina accepts, and she makes it a Lumberjill match, which they called a Lumberjack match. But that's what you get. And if the Night of Champions card wasn't shaping up enough, Jericho has a little segment backstage where he announces if he does not win the WWE Championship at Night of Champions, he is gone from the WWE. Hmm. So a little bit of a nice shape up to the Night of Champions card and a little bit of intrigue as well. So considering that Jericho's contract is up in a couple of weeks, is it foreseeable that Jericho is obviously not going to win that title at Night of Champions? It could very well mean that, and uh, we'll see if he inks a deal at the last moment that might change our predictions, but so far I don't see Jericho going over this uh, this uh, or next Sunday, whenever the pay-per-view is. Now, um, uh, hold on. I, I will say this. As far as Laycool and Molina unifying the Women's Championship and the Divas Championship, it's about goddamn time. Because honestly, we don't need two women's championships floating around on the brands. As long as they make it to where you know the women can compete on both shows, I think that's perfect. That that basically doubles your women's division or your divas division or whatever the fuck you're calling those girls these days. You know, uh, fucking models with with fucking belts. I don't give a fuck. But at least it gets rid of two of those divisions, and we have one now. I'm all for it. Well, and another chances for another episode of Botchamania. And another thing that this does is 
had had there not been, and I don't know that this will hold much weight within the WWE, but there is some back and forth going now between, and, and I think this is good. There's good TNA talk. There's bad TNA talk. And we always talk about when TNA brings up the WWE, why, don't do that. It depends on how and where it's done and, and the way it's done. And I think this back and forth between the beautiful people who have been reunited and lay cool is kind of interesting. But with all that going on, I think this leads to lay cool actually taking the diva title from Molina. You know what, though? I, I got to be honest. I think Lay Cole are in a much bigger place than Melina. Melina has botched just about everything she's done. I really don't well, I mean, think she's, that she's she doesn't that have great. anything that's her own. She's everything she's using right now, she's stolen from somebody else. Well, you could say the same for Michelle McCool. I mean, the Faith Breaker is obviously the Styles Clash. Yeah, but Styles isn't within the WWE and the Matrix was something that Trish Stratus did. Well, that's true. You know, yeah, a lot but Daisy of Daisy Hayes wasn't Melina's in the WWE, doing. she stole the mind trip. You know, a lot of the stuff Molina's doing is from former WWE divas and WWE superstars, so we'll see. Yes, we certainly will. And uh, up next, we have a number one contendership match to the Spartan titles. Uh, John Morrison in wait, the Wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold up. Here we there. go. I'm sorry. What, what was that you just said? It was, it was a unification. Excuse me. It was a number one contendership for what belt? To the Spartan this titles. This is Sparta! Outstanding. Who looked like a couple of chumps when they came in there to save Brett from from Kane. I mean, and that was way to make your uh, tag team champs look good. Yeah, yeah no shit. It looked just about as good as the belts. But anyway, yeah, John Morrison, the truth, took on dashing Cody Rhodes and Drew McIntyre. And again, another match that ended in another no contest in about 30 seconds because they just couldn't get their hands off of each other. They brawled around and the referee threw it out. So we have no number one contendership and no GM to tell us what to do afterwards. So have you guys noticed a pattern here so far with Raw? Raw number 900? Yes. Not a match has been longer than 30 seconds to a minute. Other than the opening match. And it wasn't even that long. No, it definitely wasn't. And uh, to further that pattern, next match was Bret Hart and The Undertaker, and that also was a no contest because Wade Barrett comes out and attacks The Undertaker. Then we get a uh, a light show between Kane and the Nexus. As the lights go off, Kane comes out, and Kane and Taker go at it. The lights go out again, and Kane is gone along with Bret Hart. Uh, Nexus comes out and fights Taker. Then the lights go out one more time, and when they come back on, Wade Barrett has Taker on his shoulders for the wasteland, and the Nexus end up beating down the Undertaker. So that match turned into a segment, and of course, again, we're, we have our second no contest in a row. And, and, and Boy, the, cla- the clapper was working at Raw tonight. No shit, you know. And uh, let me just say this: as far as that went, I mean. Seeing Kane get the Undertaker's power, and it was obvious after uh, the Wasteland by Barrett and, of course, the 450 splash by Gabriel, the Taker was having problems getting back up. And I like the fact they're playing off that he's not the same Undertaker he's been. He's becoming more mortal. And now is the time they really need to phase come WrestleMania. Undertaker needs to wind it down and end his career at the next WrestleMania. It needs to be done. 
Taker's done everything that he can do at this point, but the way they're taking this character shows me that it's winding him down. He'll probably get rid of Kane first, but at WrestleMania, you've got to phase Taker out, whether he retains that streak at Mania or not, or put somebody over. Taker is done. You know, I like that, and 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 I'll agree with you there. Uh, what I would like to see out of this is, you know, you talk about the Undertaker losing his powers and becoming more mortal. It'd be nice if they would continue with that. Like, he comes to the ring and raises his hands, the lights don't come up. Or they come up and they go out, they come up and they go out, like he's struggling to control his powers and stuff. You know, that'd be a neat way to go. I think so. That would actually be interesting. Yeah, sort of like how the Green Ranger started losing his powers, and that was just an inner nerd in me talking. Hey, you know what? There was a time I used to watch that. You know, Tommy the Green Ranger was awesome. Who and, the and, fuck is the Green Ranger? And, and then he became the White Ranger, and everything went downhill from there, Josh. See, I guess that's uh, all I know of is the Lone Ranger. And he wasn't alone. He had Tonto. Kimosabi. Hmm. Well, that's where you wear the Green cowboy Ranger. hats, right? Who's the Green Ranger? I don't know who the fuck this guy is. It was a Power Rangers reference there, Trey. You guys watched the fucking Power Rangers? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> who didn't? <laughs> Stay tuned after the show for two openings on the staff here at Wrestling News Live. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I hope you can find somebody to produce the show there, Trey. I can always find somebody to turn the power on, but fucking Power Rangers? Indeed. JJ, I would never have expected that from you. Now, JP, I would have expected from, but you, really? Do you know why I watched it? Because it was so bad. It was like watching a really crappy Chinese kung fu movie with fucking monsters and shit. It was great. Now, See, I, you I would... had the card. You had the escape card. You had the trump card right there ready to play. All you had to say was, I have kids. But no, you actually dove into, I watched it on my own free will because it was like a bad Chinese movie. Okay, for the record, I watched it one season when it was basically when I, I had two jobs. So when I would come home in between the two jobs, I would sit down and watch just a little bit of TV and Power Rangers was in the time slot. So of all the things you could have watched in your limited television exposure, you chose Power Rangers. Trey, the show sucks now, but man, that first season back in what, 94, 95? That was the bomb. No, 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 no. It was never good. <laughs> and how would you know that, Trey? Did you actually watch an episode yourself? I can only imagine. You can only imagine. Yeah, so I do mean, you watch an episode and embrace the aura of Power no. Ranger within you? You have, have no never seen comment. One. No, I have not. I've never seen one. Uh, you know what, JP? i got to be real honest. The main reason I watched it was for Kimberly. I wanted to fuck the shit out of the, out of the fucking peak ranger. Oh, God. Now, that's something I get on board with. Joe Johnson. Amy hey, Joe Johnson was I the bomb. that's something I get on board with. That's all you had to say in the first place. Was there was a chick on there you wanted to bone, then I'd have been okay with it. Well, now you have the excuse, Trey. For real. Well, then that's okay. I, I can live with that. But to come out on the show, I mean, you know, I want to think we've got a reputation to uphold. We've probably already shot that all to shit, but... <laughs> I don't think so. I don't want people going, tune into Wrestling News Live with the two nerds and the cowboy. No, fucking Amy Joe Johnson, man. The fucking only reason to watch Power Rangers. 
And again, another conversation on Wrestling News Live just boils down to it's vaginal. It simply is. It was very vaginal with Amy Jo Johnson. Half the age of the chat room says she's doing porn now. Well, goddamn, fucking tell me some movies that bitch is in. It's on. Oh, yeah. So what we were talking about, Monday Night Raw? (laughs) Fuck that. Get the fucking Kleenex and the Vaseline. Let's go. Power Rangers is more important than the 900th episode of Raw, I think. (laughs) I think it is at this point. But we should just get this trade wreck over with. Uh, just get it out of the way. Yeah, with where that were being we? Said, yeah, Jack Swagger and Evan Bourne. I think that's where we were. And, oh, another 30-second uh, match. Yeah, which we didn't get to see because of Alberto Del Rio making his way down to the ring JBL style, stealing Randy Orton's pyro, and uh, attacks Evan Bourne after Jack Swagger beats him with the ankle lock. And uh, right as he's about to crush Evan Bourne's chair or wrist with a chair... Kool-Aid comes out and makes the save and chases Del Rio to the back. So You know you know what Del Rio is? Lord, I apologize in advance for saying this. Oh, boy. Del Rio is what you get in real life if a fucking Mexican from across the border came illegally into our country and made a creator wrestler. Even more so than Jesse Neal? Oh, yeah. Like, he stole the pyro from this guy because it was available. You know, he stole the JBL entrance because it was available. Well, this is very true. I mean, it, yeah, Del Rio just seems like the uh, the Mexican version of let's just slap everything we haven't used together in five years and see what happens. Oh, man, see, I love Del Rio's gimmick. I love it. I love the fact he, he comes down to the ring in a fucking Bentley or a Jaguar or whatever car they can find. Similar to Eddie Guerrero. He honks the horn, which is awesome. He's got Christian's pyro in the background. And he's basically JBL, but Mexican. How can you not get on board with that? I mean, Del Rio is fantastic. This guy is the polar opposite of everything that Rey Mysterio is. Rey Mysterio, high-flying luchador. Del Rio. You know, they, want to, they want to impress me with a real entrance. They'd flood that motherfucker and let him swim to the ring. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Trey, in a that, paper that's cup, right, Trey? Yeah. Because it floats. Yeah. Anyway, CM Punk comes out and cuts a promo on The Rock saying he doesn't miss him. Uh, he throws out a Katie Vick reference, which I thought was pretty nice. And then he goes through various clips from the past and describes how they were degrading to his lifestyle in the SES, which included the Triple H and Randy Orton home invasion, when Cena threw Edge into the Long Island Sound, when DX invaded WCW, and when Austin hosed down the ring with beer. Then he pulls a Shawn Michaels from 2005 and teases that Stone Cold Steve Austin's in the house. Of course he's not. Then he goes on to show the Lesnar and Big Show ring implosion from SmackDown many moons ago. And this brings the Big Show out where he comes out, does an impersonation of the SES via a Hulk Hogan voice and ends up attacking the SES to close out a pretty long, drawn-out segment, although entertaining, I must admit. I was just thinking to myself during that whole thing. I mean, I, I know you were going somewhere with that, but you know, I want to thank the chat room for some of the things they were saying. But, Trey, when, when I think of Alberto Del Rio, I think of the million pesos man, Alberto Del Rio. We could put them back together, but we didn't want to spend a lot of money. Yeah, we only had a million pesos. Um, As far as the Straight Edge Society Big Show segment, I thought it was cool to actually see some clips of Raw from the Attitude Area, which, honestly, I'm surprised that Vince 
you know, being embarrassed of that era would, would allow those clips to be televised. I mean, you know, he's been very open and vocal about, you know, his embarrassment toward, you know, making billions of dollars during the Attitude Era, you know, courtesy of his wife's campaign. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how could he be embarrassed about making all that money and pulling in TV ratings in the sixes and sevens, of course, before internet streams? You know, how, how could you be so upset with Stone Cold Steve Austin basically carrying the entire company on his back and making it a mainstream thing? I mean, how can you be embarrassed with that? I don't know. Well, I was going to say that. You guys brought it up. It's awfully ironic that he's so embarrassed by the Attitude Era, and then he brings up that Katie Vick thing, and like they said in the chat room earlier, or before we got to this point, if you go see that Katie Vick stuff on YouTube, most of the comments are now saying, you know, CM Punk sent us here. Well, hmm. there you go. And that gentleman brings us to our main event of this evening, Team WWE against the well, Nexus uh, for the third time. Hang on there, Josh, before you go there. I, I thought this segment was good for one reason. Because Punk really played up the fact... And they played Steve Austin's music. I, I loved how everybody got hooked. I mean, you could look at the audience, and people popped so hard when that music hit. Hey, I sat up on the end of my chair. I was like, all right, here we go. I, I thought I thought it was brilliant. And then to have Punk make fun of it, and even the Captain Insano reference that he threw at the... Uh, now that was great. That was awesome. I, yes, I think That was absolutely tremendous. If there was one saving grace on this show tonight, it would have to be Punk's segment. It would have to be... The guys from SmackDown stole this show. Yeah, like uh, I think some, like CJ or somebody in the chat room said, "Welcome to the 900th episode of Raw, where the best thing on it was, you know, promotion for SmackDown." Amen to that. Well, I mean, it's pretty easy for SmackDown to take the spotlight when they're in three quarters of the matches on the show. Just saying. But we do have our main event, and. Uh, Quickly, going through the eliminations here, Chris Jericho eliminates himself by walking out of the match, so he gets eliminated by a countout. Edge shoves the referee and gets disqualified, eliminating himself. Sheamus, your WWE champion, gets eliminated next by Heath Slater, who then in turn gets eliminated by John Cena. John Cena also eliminates David Otunga. And then the miracle of miracles happens. The roof is closed and the sunlight cannot go through because Justin Gabriel hits the 450 on John Cena and eliminates him cleanly from this match. And from that point forward, Randy Orton gets the next two eliminations, Justin Gabriel and Michael Tarver, and Orton is eliminated via Wade Barrett, making the Nexus your winner, and that closes out Monday Night Raw. But what happened to that skylight, JJ? Well, thank it's God. It's not there tonight. Thank God for some miracles there. It was about time these guys in the Nexus finally got some kind of win over John Cena. I like the way it was set up where, you know, they ended up hitting the 450 and it took John Cena out. I was surprised. Honestly, I really thought he was going to kick out and then just beat the rest of the guys up. But kudos that a 450 splash and not a not a DDT to the concrete can take John Cena out. So apparently he does have weaknesses after all. Kudos to the WWE for finally making John Cena get pinned by the Nexus. And what's funny is that with all this great conversation about what was a pretty decent main event, our chat room is still talking about the fucking pink Power Ranger. Dude, Amy Jo Johnson was the fucking hot. I'm fucking Song of the Night tonight is the goddamn Power Rangers theme. No, it it's was not. Hot. I'm going to go, go look her up during the commercial. 
What, what the fuck you mean you're not? Like, fucking DuckTales. You guys have used DuckTales before on this fucking show. I would like to, for the record, say I personally never played DuckTales. There's a lot of things that have been used on this show that <laughs> weren't exactly what I wanted to play. But that was the past. We should take a vote. Because yes, er- everybody in the chat room is marking out for the Power Rangers. Oh, you guys are fucking killing me. <laughs> We're fucking serious, dude. People are turning off this show as fast as they can get to the stop button. I don't really think so. As a matter of fact, I think we're gaining listeners. Pretty much. Yeah, we use DuckTales. What the fuck? Oh, Trey. I the chat room, sorry. So bitter, so bitter. Anywho, gentlemen, letter grades for tonight. Uh, Trey, start with you. Well, to be fair, my stream sucked for the first hour, but... The matches were so quick, it didn't really fucking matter. Um, I mean, my stream was skipping so bad at one point, I heard all of three words said between Lay Cool and Melina at the end of the match. Judging by what the chat room was saying, I knew what was going on. So I can go ahead and give it a grade. I'm going to say, wow, this is tough to do. I really hate to do this, especially after the column I wrote last night, but... With all the build-up and hype behind what was supposed to be the 900th Raw, a milestone in television, if it would have been the 13th or 14th Raw, or the 1,500th Raw, or whatever, anything else, it would have been a failure for a show. I mean, you had 30-second squashes, you had a tag team match for number one contenders that never even got started, your three out of your four women in the Diva match were all champions. It was a 20-second roll-up where one person from each team didn't even get in the ring. You know, I mean, I'm just trying to find what would make it a passing grade, and there's nothing there other than the Nexus actually getting a win, but even then it was five on three. Hell, what five guys can't beat the shit out of three guys at that level? You know, in a real fight, five guys are usually going to win that fight, aren't they? You know? Um, the CM Punk thing was okay. It wasn't nothing that, you know, I wanted to jump on the phone and call my friends and talk to them about. It was just okay. And to not have any real blast from the past or anything that was nostalgic really throughout the show other than Michael Cole and him chanting, it's the 900th show every five fucking minutes with no JR. I got to go with an F. All right, so we have an F from Trey. JJ? I'm right there with Trey. Honestly, I was bitching all night in the chat room. At one point, I was ready to fucking call it a night and go to bed. But, you know, then they, they made me realize that I had a show to do tonight, which kept me awake. I, You know what? This show bored the fuck out of me. I, there was no other than the, the CM Punk... Uh, segment with the big show there really was no redeeming quality for me i have to say this show was nothing more than a basic a below average raw so i give it a fucking f2 absolutely a fucking f woogie pook in the chat room says it'll go down as the worst 900th episode of anything yeah they made a reference tonight during the show that friends only lasted so many episodes well friends 900th episode was better than this and there wasn't a friends 900th episode Says a lot. 
Yep, and then as for my letter grade, I'm going to do two letter grades tonight. I'm going to judge this on two separate levels. The first one is the celebration aspect, which they completely failed to do. So that, for me, gets a complete F. Because, as we saw, there was nothing even remotely resembling a celebration tonight. Aside from the fact that you had SmackDown on Monday Night Raw. As for a regular Raw, as if there was no celebration whatsoever, as if this weren't even a 900th episode, this Raw gets a D-minus from me. I mean, there was some great comedy in there with the CM Punk and the Big Show. We did get a solid opener and a solid uh, main event, but everything else in between just fell completely flat with barely little to no storyline advancement. So looking at this from a regular Raw perspective, it was horrible. So D-minus, but not a complete F. (laughs) Apparently, the 900th episode of Power Rangers was better than Raw. As long as it had Amy Jo Johnson in it, it was. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, friends, that wraps up another edition of your Monday Night Raw recap. And it, of course, is brought to you by The Wrestling Den, which you can find on FromHeadlocksToHeadlines.com, one of the official news sources for the Sunday Night Showdown radio network. Well, there you go. And you'll also find the first column that I've written in probably five or six years. Don't look for there to be many more. I was just in the right mood at the right place at the right time last night. And I wanted to get some things off my chest. A lot of it you've already heard before as a listener of this show. But I decided to try and be a columnist last night, which I'm not. And so I wrote a column, and you can also find it on From Headlocks to Headlines. It's just basically my thoughts on why everybody is so bitter and that's basically the title of it why is everybody so bitter well after after tonight after tonight i'd say we have a reason to be bitter but on that note we're going to take our commercial break come back obviously we should have nick paglino of wrestlezone.com to kind of get us in the zone and let us know exactly what's happening in uh, professional wrestling right now with that said jp thanks for stopping by tonight for the raw recap you got some uh, killer ass entrance music Indeed, I was loving every minute of it. Well, it, and uh, it, as always, it was a pleasure to be here to offer the raw recap. Well, you're going to have it every week, so uh, congratulations on that one. I'll bring the robe next week. With that said, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with more wrestling news live right here on the SNS Radio Network. Hey, this is Santo Loco, and you are listening to Wrestling News Live. Not getting enough TNA wrestling? It's time to join TNA Video Vault. TNA Video Vault gives you access to over 300 hours of TNA programming, including every pay-per-view and DVD ever released as well as other exclusive TNA programs. Get unlimited viewing access for as little as $4.17 per month. Go to TNAVideoVault.com to get started today. I have voices in my head. They counsel me. They understand. They talk to me. Since 1996, audio wrestling has been getting in the ring as your definitive source for all your wrestling desires. Interviews with some of pro wrestling's biggest stars. Providing you with a wide selection of award-winning wrestling shows from past and present. 
such as Ministry of Slam, Monday Night Mayhem, In Your Head, WrestleCast, Sunday Night Showdown, Wrestling News Live, Between the Ropes, RVD Radio, WrestleCast, and Wrestle Talk Radio, and many others. If you can't get enough Mad Mania, climb into the ring with Audio Wrestling, www.audiowrestling.com, and check out all the real voices of wrestling radio. Audio Wrestling, keeping you tuned in since 1996. You want some? Come get some. You're either next us or you're against us. Awesome! Get out of my way. All it's going to take is one RKO. WWEShop.com, the home of official WWE merchandise. For a limited time only, WWE Shop has reduced prices on all t-shirts. Pick up your authentic top rope or basic tees while this special offer lasts. Can you dig it, dig it sucker? sucker? Some men are born fighters, destined for greatness, determined to battle until the war is won. The greatest ever, Kurt Angle, the extreme warrior, Jeff Hardy, for the first time ever on pay-per-view, only one will survive. TNA Wrestling presents No Surrender, live Sunday, September 5th, only on pay-per-view. The following is a public service announcement from Wrestling News Live. Reasons not to marry a porn star. Did you hear the news that uh, Tito Ortiz was arrested for domestically abusing his uh, his girlfriend, Jenna Jameson? Well, he probably tried to fuck her, and it was like throwing a hot dog down a hallway, and he just said, What the fuck? Where have you been? Slap! <laughs> that reminds me of the quote from Triple H a couple years back, when he said, you know, even a 747 looks uh, small flying in the Grand Canyon. I mean, how can you, in all honesty... Be a person not in the porn industry married to a porn star and be okay with it. <laughs> you know what? I'd have a serious problem with that. I mean, let's say she's got an early shoot. She gets up, she washes her pussy and goes to work. <laughs> then you wake up, and while you're eating pancakes, she's fucking somebody else. While you walk to the mailbox to get the mail, she's fucking somebody else. When you come inside and turn on the TV and have a cup of tea, she's fucking somebody else. Then she's having lunch while you're taking a nap in your lazy boy. She comes back from lunch and punches in and starts fucking somebody else. <laughs> then she comes home. You tell the bitch that you want dinner. She makes you something in the microwave and goes to bed. And you're jacking off because she spent all day fucking somebody else. <laughs> you're having tea. She's getting tea bagged. <laughs> oh, I love this show.
This has been a public service announcement brought to you by the good folks at Wrestling News Live. With WrestleZone at www.wrestlezone.com. Your one-stop shop for all the latest news and rumors in the world of pro wrestling and cutting-edge editorials by former WWE announcer Kevin Kelly and former WCW announcer Mark Madden. An extensive forums board for the casual wrestling fan. Stop by and sign up to chat with knowledgeable wrestling fans. Get in the zone with WrestleZone at www.wrestlezone.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the new Wrestling News Live. And now, here are your hosts, The Trey Dog and JJ Sexay of SundayNightShowdown.com. You can't see me, my time In case you forgot or fell off, I'm still hot. Knock your shell off. My money stacked fat, plus I can't turn All right, guys. We're back right here. Myself, Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ Sexay, and of course, The Trey Dog. Wrestling News Live right here on the SNS Radio Network. After what was a very unhistoric 900th episode of Monday Night Raw. I, I gotta say, Trey, just so disappointed tonight in what we saw. I, you know, we could sit here for hours and go on about some of the greatest moments in the history of Monday Night Raw. I mean, there's just so many that even happened in the early 90s when that show debuted in 1993. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm flabbergasted that we didn't get to see any of those highlights and it was just basically not even really a, a clip show tonight it was like oh, i heard episodes Woo-hoo. whoopty fucking do they were all it was like they were all in a hurry to go get through the night and go party i guess i don't know what the fuck the problem was you know there must have been something going on at the hardy household tonight i don't know anyway i what i was really ex- expecting was or i guess not expecting but maybe hoped for was that we would find out maybe who the general manager was that would be something epic to do on an epic episode, but nothing of the sort. Not, not no Austin, no Rock, no Triple H, no HBK, no Jim Ross. I mean, it was a regular Raw on fast forward on my DVR, without being on fast forward. The, the, I mean, the first. I, Six matches, five matches were under a minute. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was it was absolutely ridiculous. You know, I mean, it was like, what are y'all in such a big hurry for? It's, it's like I they mean, they phoned it in. The one real match they had was the Hardys, or not the Hardys, was uh, Nexus versus uh, John Cena, and that ended up being a five on three squash. I just, I'm like, okay. Uh, whatever. Thanks for uh, putting on a show tonight, guys. Yeah, I mean, that'd be like us coming on here, playing the intro, doing the raw recap in 30 seconds, taking one phone call and saying good night. Yeah, well, we're not known Don't for doing. Ideas. We're not. We're not known for doing. You know, like long shows. We we never go over that two hour allotted time space, do we? Right. Right. <laughs> we never have an overrun. Never. You know, like, seriously, looking back to some classic moments, when that show first aired, 
you know, God, there's so many. The night that Ric Flair left the company, the loser leaves town match between him and Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect. Great match. There was there was the the debut of the one two three kid when he pinned Razor Ramon. You know, and then there was the match a couple weeks later where Razor Ramon laid down ten thousand dollars and challenged the kid to a rematch, and he took the money and ran out of the fucking building. You know, there was the night that Yokozuna crushed the Macho Man back in nineteen ninety four because he'd been betrayed by Crush. Why didn't they just show highlights of Raws from the past celebrating number nine hundred? I don't. I mean, they did all this promotion about how big a show and how big a deal it was, and it wasn't even a normal Raw. No, I mean, you had both rosters, and really the Raw roster got played out to the SmackDown roster. You know, I, And what did you really get from the SmackDown roster other than The Undertaker and the Straight Edge Society and Lay Cool? Well, that was they, it. they wanted to make a big deal out of Alberto Del Rio debuting on Raw for the first time. You know, they're, they're they're wanting people, and you know what? I'm impressed with the guy. I I like his ring work. I think he's going to be a huge star. I mean, he's got a Let's huge. Let's stay up there longer in a cup of coffee, and I'll make it. I'll I'll give you my opinion when he does something. Have you Have you watched SmackDown with him? Yeah, once. And what What did you see? Did you watch the match? I mean, he's all right. I mean, he's. I I can see they're going to make him a big star, but I mean, you know. I don't pay my mechanic before he does the work. No, I'm just basing it off what I've seen so far. Well, we'll we'll find out. I mean, I think he's going to be good for the company. I think he's a talented guy. I uh, just, you know, I I honestly felt like they phoned this show in. No, they did, 100. percent You know, and we're obviously getting people like Wookum who said he was there live and thought it was a fantastic show. I know Crelly thought it was a fantastic show. One Man X mentioned that he thought it was a good show. Like I, well, they're all idiots. They, well, no, 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 they're not. They're entitled to their opinion. And I'm not going to sit here and tell them that their opinions are wrong. Who the fuck would I be I to normally, say that? I normally wouldn't either, but I mean, what was so good about tonight? I can't think of anything good about tonight. Well, I'm with you. I don't think that there was anything remotely that great about the, about the show. But there are people that, that, that tend to enjoy the show, and that's fine. I, You know what? There was a time in my life... When I would literally tape every wrestling show that was on, Raw was mandatory. I had yeah. I, at one point in time, I literally had videotapes. I'm talking boxes of videotapes because I had. Oh my God! I would tape Raw, SmackDown, WCW, Thunder, whatever. I fucking taped every goddamn show. Do you know how long it's been since I've done that? I think I stopped doing that around 2001 when Vince bought out his competition. And I haven't taped another wrestling episode. If I if I do tape Raw, I delete it the next day. It's not a big deal to me. The only thing I have on my DVR are the pay-per-views that I've paid 35 bucks for. Aside from that, I could give two shits. And, and that's from someone who grew up a wrestling fan, who tried to watch every bit of wrestling. So when I read your article this week, I was very impressed with what you had to say. And you're right. It's not the same. And we are looking at it differently. I tried to watch this show tonight and go back to just being a fan and not just a fucking radio show host. And they failed. They fucking failed to bring me back. Yeah, I mean, it was an epic fail of the show, period, let alone to be a historical monumental episode. 
I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I, I'm I'm disappointed. I guess I'm looking at it as, you know, they could have done this, they could have done that, they should have done this, they should have done that, and they didn't do anything other than roll out 30-second matches. And I'm like, what's the point? I would have rather had no live matches tonight, had the typical year-end Michael Cole, Jim Ross, and Jerry Lawler, whatever combo they could have used, in the middle of the ring recapping historical moments from the last 900 episodes than what we got tonight, wouldn't you? Absolutely. You know, I, and, and for some people to say, oh, yeah, well, we got worked thinking that they were going to do something, you know, that's that's you being stupid. No, that's the way they were promoting this show was that, you know, it was going to encompass... Why would, they, why would they intentionally try to work their audience? That's just stupid. That's like saying, hey, we're going to make you fucking, you know pay for something you're not going to get. I mean, I know you don't pay for Raw, but I'm just saying, that's like, you know, advertising free blowjobs and then going, oh, we got you to show up for free blowjobs and now we're not giving you anything. Well, I mean, you say they work the audience. That's that's what wrestling is. It's a work. I mean, that's all they do but is yeah, work you. That, that's, that's different. That's in a different context. You know, working the audience and swerving the audience on a storyline or an angle is one thing. Promoting that you're going to have the be-all, end-all, best Raw ever and then give us the crap we got tonight. It's not like they're sitting back going, ah, we got those motherfuckers. <laughs> because they don't want you to leave disgruntled and unhappy. They want you to be excited for next week's show. There's no reason to, to try to fuck your, your your viewers. That's retarded. I agree. And, and you know... <laughs> Like I said, the only positives to me were the Straight Edge Society Big Show. I like the fact they're moving in a direction with this uh, the unification of these women's title matches. You know, that that's a plus to me. You know, welcome in the chat room, and this is the last time I'm going to bring this dumbass up. You're fucking stupid. I'm, I'm done with you. I think you're in the chat room just to piss people off. If they say that everything was on the right, you're going to go with the left. Just, you're like, I want to be fucking heel in the chat room. He wants to know what we expected, why we expected it to be such a big deal. Because they fucking promoted it to be the 900th episode of Raw, like it was the best thing since Pussy was invented, and it was nothing. It wasn't even a good, normal Raw, you dumb son of a bitch. It was a horrible show that had 30-second squash matches. It had more people over on the show from SmackDown doing anything positive than the people that are on the Raw episode or the Raw show itself. I... Its main event was advertised all day as a five-on-five -five match, and the first two contestants made themselves disqualified. What do you mean, what was I expecting? I was expecting the WWE to get off their fucking ass and do something for a goddamn change instead of getting a free fucking bat. What storyline did they further? No, they, they did further storylines, Trey, but the point is, okay, they, they furthered... They furthered the fucking women's division storyline. That's great. Okay, we know that The Miz is still pissed off at Brian Danielson and vice versa. They don't like each other. Did we need what we had tonight? To, to, to make us believe they didn't fucking like each other? No, we already know that. 
Do we know that John Cena hates the Nexus? Yeah. Did we need that tonight to further that storyline? No, we already knew that. Furthering the storylines means taking another step forward. Adding another chapter to the book. Not rereading a chapter we've already seen. Nexus becomes strong again? No, they didn't. They won five on three, you dumb shit. I mean, I'll agree. They got a much-needed win, but I don't necessarily think they're strong again. And I think you're missing the point, Wookum. This was supposed to be a celebration of 900 episodes, not a normal fucking Raw show. And not only was it, it not a normal, not only was it not a normal fucking Raw show, it was a fucking below average Raw show. Good God, let's move on. Fuck Wookum. I don't give a shit I about. I tell him. you what, like, Wookum. I'll give you my personal phone number and address, and you pick three of your friends. I'll pick five of mine. I guarantee you, we stomp your ass. Anyway, how does that make the Nexus stronger? They won five on three with two guys disqualifying themselves. To get out of the match. Again. That's just dumb. It's not important, Trey. The bottom line is, you agree, I agree. The show was not very good tonight. Because it wasn't what it was supposed to be. It was a below average show. Anyway, I'm done discussing this Wilcom thing. Now, I did want to bring up something since I haven't heard from Nick. Maybe he's not going to show up tonight. Don't know. But let me put it out to you this way. Um, you actually, before this show even began tonight, had the opportunity to talk with uh, with one Eric Bischoff on Monday Night Mayhem tonight. Yes. And I actually have that clip. So in its entirety, people, here is the Trey Dog posing a very poignant question to Eric Bischoff on Monday Night Mayhem tonight. So with that said, here's that clip. 666-2110. Caller, your name and where you're calling from. Welcome to Monday Night Mayhem. Hey, Washington. It's Ray Dog, buddy. How are you? We're doing great. Well. Hey, I just wanted to ask Eric, you know, and you guys might have touched on it as I was calling in. I think you might have a little bit, but, you know, it blows me away as I sit and I watch Impact. You know, if you, I, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know why it's, it's out there, but the Internet's constant want to hate this promotion. When you sit and watch the two-hour block of wrestling that you get on Impact. And every show in any company is going to have its, you know, hits and misses. But I'm, I am, and I know I'm the minority right now, but I am thoroughly entertained when I watch an episode of Impact as opposed to a lot of WWE programming. But yet WWE gets a pass and TNA gets hated on by the Internet where everybody nowadays is a wrestling journalist. I'm curious to know what Eric thinks about all that and and what he thinks they could do to maybe overcome that eventually. It's, it's just a shame to me because it's like everybody wants to jump on the cool bus and hate as opposed to just letting everything go, forgetting about the Internet, who cares who paid for what, who cares who's in charge of what, and just sit down and watch wrestling like we did when we were kids and enjoy it for what it is. But everybody wants to be a critic nowadays. So I'm curious Eric's thoughts on that. And, you know, with a guy like Mark Madden, who I don't know where or why he even has a column, why he constantly hates on TNA. Well, you, you just a couple of very good questions there. Let me just, you know, kind of give you my perspective. I think, first of all, it's, it's always easier to 
let me put it this way, misery loves company. Uh, let's use that as the premise. And, and it's easier for people who are negative, who want to criticize without really having anything intelligent to say, without it being constructive criticism. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, I, I constantly am trying to, you know, raise the bar, you know, by, by eliminating one stupid fan at a time, <laughs> is because, you know, when I, when I see the kind of comments like TNA sucks or your storylines blow or, you know, fire Russo or fire Bischoff or Hogan sucks, I mean, I, I laugh at that stuff because there's a lot of those people out there. Because misery loves company. They're negative people. They don't really have anything insightful or intelligent to say. And let's face it, WWE is a giant bandwagon. It's been around for a long time. It's easier and safer when you're the type of person who is looking for a group of miserable people to jump on a bandwagon that's successful because WWE is a juggernaut. It's a, it's a cable television juggernaut. Let's see. It is what it is. It's a hugely successful company and, and program. It has been for a very long time. So it's easy to jump on that bandwagon and look down at TNA for its warts and blemishes and you know bumps and bruises and dents because there are there, there's plenty of them. You know, TNA is not WWE. It's not a you know billion dollar company with the kind of infrastructure and production staff and taking a show live on the road every Monday night. I mean, there's so many things that we don't have that it's easy to point out our flaws. And in the process of pointing out those flaws, if you feel like by doing so and pointing out that TNA is, you know, not what WWE is, if all of a sudden you feel like you're part of a larger group and therefore can be more accepted as a result and you're more comfortable on that camp, then that's, I guess, human nature. You know, but I think if you really look at what TNA does and does well and tries to do, I mean, we're, we are the little engine that's trying when you compare us to WWE. But I think there's some great talent in the ring. I think we have the greatest balance of new, young, exciting talent, established talent that rates well, despite what everybody wants to believe on the Internet. Um, and you look at the things that we're trying to do, you know, I think if you're objective, I think if you're a real wrestling fan and you appreciate TNA for what it is and who they are and not for what it is and who they are compared to what WWE has been able to become over the last 30 years, um, you're going to have comments. And while you may not like certain things that are happening in TNA and you may have a strong opinion about it, I think if you're objective about it, you'll find plenty of things to like. But the truth of the matter is, I think within the Internet community, at least the, the most vocal 10% of them, it's a lot easier to be negative. And unfortunately, those are the comments that we hear. You know, people think that because I'm outspoken about you know, certain things on the Internet and in the Internet community that I'm anti-Internet and anti-IWC. I'm not. I love the, I, I love the Internet. I like the, I like the Internet wrestling community. I despise the dumbest 10% of them who happen to be the loudest 10% of them but I enjoy interacting. Obviously, I, would, I do or I wouldn't be on this show. Obviously, I do or I wouldn't have a, a Facebook page. Obviously, I do or I wouldn't have a Twitter account and, and engage people. But unfortunately, like I said, I think that the, the smallest minority of the, uh, of the people out there happen to be the largest majority of the voices that we hear, and they tend to be negative because misery loves, loves company. 
Very good point there, Trey. Very good question. He makes a lot of good points. And, and you know, I, I wish that I could spend 30 minutes with his brain because the guy knows what he's talking about and he puts it in a way that, you know, it needs to be said. He's right. The, 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 the 10% of the Internet hating on TNA is the loudest 10%. You know, they're they're the people that, you know, would rather jump on the cool bus and hate as opposed to forming their own opinion because, well, maybe they're not smart enough to form their own opinion. You know, misery does love company. I just, I'm amazed at what I read on Twitter and Facebook when somebody is dogging on that product and then they watch what they saw tonight and give it a passing letter grade why granted tna is done out of a small place it's done in the same place just about every week why is it that there has to be hate and competition when they're really just trying to get on their own two feet. You know, I, it's easy to talk shit about TNA, but do you realize what it takes to make that company work and do what they've done in such a short amount of time? I mean, just try to start your own promotion if you think it's easy. Why do you think in the world of professional wrestling, throwing Ring of Honor in, I'll throw Ring of Honor in there. Even with Ring of Honor, why do you think there's only three wrestling promotions that we talk about on the internet? If it was so easy just to put together a fucking wrestling promotion that everybody would love, don't you think there'd be more than three of them out there? Don't you think we'd have more to break down every week than the WWE and TNA? I mean, if it's so easy for all you smart motherfuckers on the internet to just throw together a wrestling promotion, why haven't none of you knuckleheads fucking done it? Get off your ass and stop talking shit. Put together a wrestling promotion since you're all so fucking smart. Well, Trey, they actually do that. There's a lot of indie promoters that are big fucking marks that have gone out and opened up indie promotions. And they've been blacklisted by talent because they don't pay. They don't pay what they're supposed to pay, or they swindle wrestlers and bring them to the shows. So there's your point right there. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, they put together a promotion. They put together an indie event. That's one thing. But get that son of a bitch on TV every week and hold monthly pay per views. You know, that's part of the problem that TNA has that people bitch about all the time is. Oh, they're old, and oh, they're, they don't sell, and oh, god damn, EV 2.0, motherfucker, oh my god. Well, you know what? These motherfuckers are on TV every week, they're earning a paycheck, and they're doing something that none of these indie promoters have been able to pull off, and that's get a television deal. Look at fucking Ring of Honor. They're the next thing down from TNA. And in the eyes of many of their fans, they're better than TNA. Well, where's their fucking syndicated television contract? 
Why aren't they on a channel better than fucking HD Net if they're so fucking great? Again, that's why in the grand scheme of things, there's only three wrestling promotions that we as a wrestling community really talk about. Because they're not that easy to fucking put together and get on national television. If they were, then we'd have more of them, don't you think? Wouldn't that be the, 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 the right answer? I would think so. But they're not. So, I mean, that's why I'm like baffled when I go on Twitter or I go on Facebook or I go to a, even a wrestling site like WrestleZone with columnists that hate TNA. You know, Mark Madden, like I said in my column, if you hate TNA, and you can't stand watching this shit, then you need to go somewhere else. Report on something else. Start talking about the WWE. If TNA is so bad, why do you waste so much of your fucking time trying to convince everybody else? You know, if it's so horrible, why continue to watch? Why continue to cover it? Life's too short. You go on these websites and you read about how everybody can't stand TNA and TNA sucks and blah, 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 blah. You know? And I like I said last week, yeah, they've got some flaws, but shit, who, would, who wouldn't on national television? I think, and, and you cleared it up for me, I think a lot of times their scheduling of their televised events and the things that they do, like, have somebody come down and beat somebody up, then walk up the ramp during the commercial just to come back out to their music for the next match is a little ridiculous. You know? But you explained why that is. That makes a little bit more sense. Doesn't mean I like it, but it makes sense. You know? So they have their flaws, but for two hours of television time, at least I walk out of there thinking... I can't wait to see what happens next. I didn't have that feeling tonight. Did you, when you got done watching Raw, were you excited for next week's show? Were you excited for the next pay-per-view? I sure as fuck wasn't. Well, I, I wasn't pleased with the product that they put on tonight. Am I looking forward to Night of Champions? Yeah, the fact that they did further the storyline between a couple of them. I want to see Danielson... Or, Dan, or or Brian, or whatever the hell you want to call the guy, go up against The Miz for the U.S. Championship. I want to see the unification between the Divas and the broken-ass women's belt. You know, maybe we'll get lucky and they'll have a fucking uh, female gladiator belt that they could fucking have as a new women's championship. And let me let me reiterate. You don't have to agree with us. You don't have to agree with me. You can think I'm the dumbest son of a bitch that ever drew a breath of air. I don't care. As long as you listen to the show and you enjoy being here, you're welcome here. You don't have to believe in everything we say and take it as the gospel truth. We're not like those other shows. You know, if you don't like what I'm saying and you got a differing or a differing opinion, you're more than welcome to email or call. That's very true. Uh, I, there is something I kind of want to break really quickly, Trey. Uh, as you know... Crelly has to sing tonight on this broadcast. 
Oh, yeah, I let him off the hook last week. I forgot. And I let him off the hook on Unplugged. But the deal is he's got to do it tonight right here live on Wrestling News Live. And I was to choose the song, and I have chosen the song. <laughs> and it is the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers theme song. Now that I'll go for. See, I knew you wouldn't have a problem with that. I'm just... I don't know, man. I just Like I said to Eric, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know why. I think I know a little bit about why, but I'm just dying for somebody to explain to me why they can't sit down and just watch TV for what it is like we did in the 80s and the early 90s. What has changed? Is it the internet? Is it wrestling radio? You know, what is it that has made us all become so cynical and so bitter towards wrestling? We weren't like that when we were all saying our prayers and eating our vitamins and waiting for Hogan to, to squash somebody. And I'm talking about original Hulk Hogan in the WWF. Well, to be honest, Trey, I, I can answer that question for you. And it makes complete and utter sense. Because back in the day, when Hulk Hogan was on top in the PG era WWF, they had wrestling writers. They didn't have the soap opera Hollywood writers that come in and write for sitcoms. And that's the difference between today's product and the product of old. Because what is appealing to the writers today is that they want the WWE to be like Seinfeld or an episode of Friends. It's not about professional wrestling. Like I said, the problem with the WWE, before too long, they're not actually going to have that ring. I don't even know why they have that ring now. Because they're not wrestlers anymore. They're sports entertainers. Monday Night Raw has become a sketch comedy show. Utilizing the talents of glorified stuntmen. That they want to try to make funny. That they want to try to make good actors. And that's why the product today fails as opposed to what it was years ago. Let me also throw out there... I'm going to say this so this guy will leave me alone. He brought up a good point. Now he's just blowing me the fuck up. And it's driving me nuts. Uh, listen, fella in the chat room. Brings up a point about... Um, we were talking about... We played that merchandise commercial for Shop Zone, I guess. Is it what sparked his comment? I don't know. He said, have you noticed that Y2J, Chris Jericho, has never really had merchandise as far as wrestling goes? He brings up a good point. He's one wrestler that doesn't have a whole lot of merchandise that he's trying to hawk. He did at one point in time. But now that I've said that, quit sending me fucking instant messages. Now, I can remember a time back in the day when Chris Jericho was one of the most beloved face characters on Monday Night Raw. You know, you go back even to the moment when Chris Jericho debuted with this company. When The Rock was in the ring cutting his promo and the countdown ended and there's Jericho cutting his promo. And there was a nice interaction between him and The Rock. To me, that's yeah. one of the greatest moments that they ever produced during that Attitude Era. Because it was a great entrance for Jericho. But I digress. Back to my point. There was a point in time when he had all kinds of merchandise. He had different shirts. You know, hell, I even I even had his hockey jersey back in 2000. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. So, I mean, you know, obviously heels aren't going to have the merchandise sales. But your faces, on the other hand, you know, John Cena, 
Rey Mysterio. Those are the guys that are selling the product. Not your heels. So, there you go. And that is the answer. But yes, Crelly, you will sing tonight. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the song. So look it up. Go learn it. And here in a little bit, my friend, you have to sing for your supper. (laughs) (laughs) That is a song of the night I can get behind. Absolutely. On that note, what do you say we uh, take our final commercial break? We kind of run down some news on the way back. Take some phone calls. If you guys want to send us emails, get your views uh, talked about here tonight, you can uh, you can uh, contact us at WNLshow at yahoo.com, and we'll read those emails shortly. But on that note, I think it's time we take our uh, our last break of the night and just, just kind of wrap it up. Come back and you know take as many calls as we can, read some emails, and then uh, kind of end things with uh, with Crelly <laughs> singing a song. I'm down with that. All right, guys, on that note, we'll be right back with more Wrestling News Live right here on the SNS Radio Network. See, I'm even going to let Krilly take us to break. This is the international sensation Chris Krilly, and you're listening to Wrestling News Live exclusively on SunnyNightRound.com with your hosts, Dre and JJ Sexton. Riley, I think, is very, definitely very confident. He is a listener. He is a talent. He is great on the microphone. He is athletic. He is smart. He is cocky. He is arrogant. I think Alex Riley needs to get over the fact that he was cool in high school. Ten years ago, I was stuffing you nerds in lockers and stealing your lunch money. It's 2010, and Alex Riley has got a letterman's jacket, and believe it or not, I think the Riley is bejeweled. Alex was a lot more show than go. I think Alex is a little over the top right now. Alex Riley needs to relax. He seems like he's playing a character, and I'd rather him be a character. I would say that Alex Riley is entertaining. He's confident, brash. He actually reminds me a lot of The Miz. They're both very annoying. I think he's doing a great job. No one really likes him, but uh, it's better for him to come out there and have people react rather than have them be silent. I think it is tough to tell at this time who the WWE next breakout star is. Actually, no, it's not. The next WWE breakout star will be Alex Riley. This is Jeff Jarrett, the king of the mountain, and I'm on planet Jarrett right now, listening to Wrestling News Live. Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for my rookie, Michael McGillicuddy. Michael McGillicuddy, I think, from what I've seen so far, has probably the best chance of winning this thing. He's got the look, and from what I've seen in the ring, he's got the tools. You look at him in the face when he walks through the curtain, and he is happy. You can feel his passion when you watch him. He has that fire. He has that spark. You can see it in his eyes. He's as close, as perfect as it gets. He sure is. <laughs> I mean, he's not flawless. No way. The only thing that's been 
less than perfect would be that Michael McGillicuddy was talking all about how he's bringing back ruthless aggression to the WWE. Well, arm drags and drop kicks and leapfrogs, that's not ruthless aggression. Personality and charisma-wise, I haven't seen much from Michael McGillicuddy. And that might just be because he hasn't had much of a chance to, to talk. That's the same kind of impact. Thank you very much. Michael McGillicuddy seems cocky. Seems like since Daddy was a pro, then I'll be a pro. No, that's not going to happen. Daddy was good. You're mediocre. There's that whole other level that guys are willing to go to to get a win. I'm willing to go as far as it takes. I'd like to see if Michael McGillicuddy is too. There's an it factor there, and I'm interested in watching how that it factor grows. He has a big chip on his shoulder, and uh, I think that's definitely a good thing. And uh, he's ready to have fun and ready to uh, become a star. Be a champion means you write your name in the book of WWE history. To be a champion means I'm awesome. To become champion made me who I am today. Being champion means that I am the best. Now, on a night where every championship will be defended, whose moment has come? WWE Night of Champions, live Sunday, September 19th, only on pay-per-view. Caval, he's impressive. Caval's in-ring ability is very, very good. He's the, probably the most polished of all the rookies. I don't know if a lot of people are ready for what Caval brings to the WWE. He's kind of got this quiet confidence about him. In those kicks? His kicks. He knows how to kick. One thing that interests me about Caval is his pros. Uh, Caval being with Lake Cool is going to be a good learning experience. They know little things that he doesn't. You're gonna be flawless! His flaws, which aren't many, but there are a few, there but are. we're gonna help him out with those. He needs to prove that he can like hang with the top dogs here. He needs to have a bigger-than-life personality. He takes himself way too seriously. I am gonna be the next breakout star! Lighten up. He's always got that, like, that frown. frown. I think that's gonna be his only setback, but I'm gonna work on that. Caval is definitely one of the guys that so far visually has made an impact. I think the entire WWE universe is impressed with Caval. He may be small in stature, but I have the biggest heart. If we lived in a fair world, Caval would be the next breakout star. The next breakout star, definitely Caval. I, yeah, I, have I to do say think Caval. I think the fans love him. Yes. We love him. He yes. loves us. It's yes. a win win situation. We love you, Caval. <laughs> Separated. This is Mace, one of the original international invaders, welcoming you back to Wrestling News Live with the grandfather of wrestling radio, the Trey Dog, and JJ Sexy. Welcome back to the show. Uh, of course, in the commercial break there. I thought that I would put together the finals of NXT Season 2, ending tomorrow. There will be one winner. It's down to Alex Riley, Michael McGillicuddy, and Caval. I'm going to go out right now, and I'm going to make my prediction. I'm standing by Michael McGillicuddy, a.k.a. Joe Henning, 
the son of Mr. Perfect, to be season two of NXT's next breakout star. See, I think I look at it differently than you do, or I've looked at it differently maybe than you do, because you cover it so intently on Unplugged on Tuesday nights. Um, cheap Foley plug there for you. Um, I think that Hennig will make it without being the NXT champion. I think they could bring him in at any time, and he'd be all right. I think Riley's the same because of his exposure recently with The Miz and the... Uh, you know, back and forth with Brian Danielson. But when I look at it from a marketing standpoint, if you brought the guy in and you did it right, maybe have him win, have Caval win tomorrow night, and then have him screw over Laycool at Night of Champions, you'd have an instant baby face. And I think with him being a baby face, he's marketable. And I think that uh, the fans would get behind him. And you could even put him with Molina if you wanted to. Or you could just leave him on his own after he screws over Laycool. But you could make him into a baby face. He would be very marketable. And I just think that he's the one to win because the other two guys are going to be successful on their own without the rub of being NXT Season 2 champion. Well, and you make a valid point. I just think that, I don't know, I mean, I I like Caval, I really do. I, I think that, you know, and Kofi Kingston said this early on in the season, he's the closest thing to a bona fide ninja, you know, in this company. And I think kids will get behind him. Oh, absolutely. I think if he was, if, if he was a baby face, I think kids would be all over the little guy that kicks so much ass. And the way he fights, like a ninja, like karate and all that, the kids will really get behind him. So I think with the proper Caval t-shirt, it could be a big seller. And let's not forget what the WWE is really all about right now. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I like, with that said, I really do like Alex Riley. I think he's probably one of the better characters that they have. I mean, but in my opinion, he he's almost too much like The Miz. I think they're a good fit for one another. But when I look at Alex Riley, I think Miz light. Well, they would be good for each other in a tag team. You know, they would be a tag team that you could put on, on Raw and could go for the Spartan belts, and it would make sense. It wouldn't be like every time I see – I know they had a run on SmackDown, but every time I see John Morrison and Truth, I ask myself why. There's nothing remotely, you know, alike between the two of them. It's just like two guys backstage said, hey, I don't have a partner, do you? No? All right, let's team up. Yeah, you know, you make a good point. I, I really think that they have done Morrison a disservice by moving him to Raw. I thought he was catching on, he was doing well on the SmackDown roster. And the moment they pushed him over to Monday Night Raw, he completely died. He got to the point where he wasn't hitting his finisher anymore. I don't know, just something has changed with John Morrison. Uh, I think when he was on the SmackDown brand, he was doing a hell of a lot better. The matches he had with Punk, uh, you know, the matches he had with Mysterio. Just, he had so much potential on that roster. And then when the draft happened and they brought him and, and Truth over, really, I thought it was horrible to bring both of those guys over and reunite them as a tag team. Yeah, when they, they did it again tonight. When they put him out there, I thought, oh, shit, here we go. 
you know, where was Cosentino? Why weren't they involved in a number one contendership for the tag team championship? Good question. Where were the Usos? They're a bona fide tag team. I, I just didn't understand what these two teams... I guess the Usos beef with uh, the Hart Foundation is over. For now. Okay. It, it, it appears that they are uh, they're shifting over into this... I don't know. They've got a feud with Cosentino and Usos. Well, you know, and that's another thing that, um, you know, we talk about why things are different now than the way they used to be. You know, in the in the past, the 80s and early 90s and mid 90s, when you were in a feud, by God, you were in a feud. There wasn't no build up pay-per-view match and then move on to the next opponent. That's one of the big changes in wrestling right now. You know, look at look at the Rock and Mankind. Shit, they went at each other for how long before they finally moved on to other things? In ninety eight. Yep. I mean, hell, they had 10, 12 matches against each other on Raw and pay-per-view. You don't get that anymore. You get a lot of backstage promo. You get a lot of run-ins. You get a lot of backstage drama. And then you get one pay-per-view match. The winner moves on. The loser moves on. What? I'm sorry, but after building up a feud, if you beat me, I'm not going to just lay down and take it. I'm going to come back for more. And see, you know, you asked me earlier, too, why is the product so different? Well, when you go back and you look at classic episodes, uh, you know, from the previous PG era, you know, you had your guys on top. And it's it's a formula that they have. I mean, obviously, you know, Cena is the top guy on on Monday Night Raw. John Cena is the center of the Raw universe. Everything surrounds John Cena. You know, all the heels go through him. He's the center point of the show. He's the main piece of the show. Okay, Hogan was the same way back in his day. But the thing is, when you go back and you look at classic stuff and you compare it to now, you hit on this a minute ago. Feuds lasted months because there wasn't a pay-per-view every month. There was a pay-per-view a couple times a year. At one point, you had four pay-per-views in a year. And they were your big ones. And every time you had one of those pay-per-views, there was a significant thing happening. Now, you have a pay-per-view a month, sometimes two pay-per-views in a month, and feuds don't last. I miss the days when wrestling was simple, when it was actually, you know, wrestling and not this generic sports entertainment bullshit. Well, it's just like the Shawn Michaels-Chris Jericho feud that lasted so many months. I mean, that's why everybody got so into it is because it was a long-standing feud. It wasn't just a a month build up and a pay-per-view finale. That's what you get with everybody nowadays. You know, that's what that's what a rivalry is. You know, we, we've seen that with guys like, you know, Cena and, and uh, John. We've, we've seen it with Cena and Edge. We've seen it with Randy well, Orton and John Cena. I mean, and since the brand split, though, J.J., there really is no rivalry. Everybody's against everybody because you're, you know, Orton wrestles Sheamus this month. They build up a good rivalry. Now Orton wins and moves on to Edge. They build up a good rivalry. Then he moves on to Jericho, and then he moves on to Cena, then he moves on to Triple H, then he's back to Sheamus. These guys wrestle each other so much, there are no real rivals anymore. There aren't two guys like, you know, Austin and The Rock 
when they get in the ring that you go down memory lane and go, God, they've only tangled a few times, but boy, when they did, you know, everybody faces each other so many times because of the brand split and limited roster space, there are no real rivalries anymore. No, not really. I mean, they, they kind of diminish, and that's, like I said, that's a lot of the problem. And, you know, will it ever get back to the way it was? Probably not. I mean, they're, they're trying to at, to some degree, but I, I just don't see it. I, I don't know. I, I don't know where to, where to go from here with that. I mean, it's, it is what it is. I mean, Rock Mankind was epic. And the feuds between The Rock and Triple H to set that up, and The Nation versus DX and all that, those were epic times. You know, Stone Cold, the McMahon era, you know, that those were feuds. You know, nowadays, everybody wrestles everybody, and they do it so much that it's like, whatever. It's just another match between these two guys. No, I, I agree. I don't know, man. The, the status of the business, it's it's not in very good shape right now. Something's got to change. Um, before we go any further with that, I, I kind of want to change the subject for, for a minute. Um, something I think you and I have been wanting to discuss all night, and I've been trying to find uh, a good point to bring this in. Before we take any phone calls, I want to kind of get this out of the way. Uh, on Friday, I was saddened to learn of the passing of former WWE, WWF, women's wrestler and manager, Luna Vachon. You know, she comes from a, from a world-famous family. Her father, of course, Butcher Vachon. Her uncle was Mad Dog Vachon. Um, Luna was an interesting individual. Some of my fondest memories of Luna... Uh, we're back in 93 when she had a brief run with Shawn Michaels. Around the time they were doing the Shawn Michaels was the Intercontinental Champion uh, with Sherry as his manager, and they had the Marty Jannetty split from Shawn Michaels where uh, Shawn was the Intercontinental Champion, and Marty went to hit Shawn with the, uh, with the mirror, and he pulled Sherry into the way, and Marty clocked Sensational Sherry. Well, this led to Luna... Uh, hooking up with Shawn Michaels in a valet persona, basically, to take on the likes of Marty Jannetty and his manager for a brief time, uh, Sensational Sherry. You know, later on that year, she teamed up with Bam Bam Bigelow, and that's really the thing I remember the most from Luna, uh, was her run with Bigelow, where she was his main squeeze, and they had so many matches with Doink and, you know, Dink and and all the other little uh, midget clowns. And I just, I really remember Bam Bam and Luna more than anything. I know in 98 she had a run where she basically came in and worked with Goldust. And that was when Goldust was doing the crazy-ass artist formerly known as Goldust gimmick. Where, you know, he was walking around with a ball gag in his mouth and fucking lime green outfits and all kinds of weird fucking shit. But, you know... Bottom line, uh, Luna Vachon was ahead of her time. She was a great women's wrestler. I thought she was a great valet manager to whoever she managed. And it's sad that at 48 years of age, she's gone. Too young. Yep. I mean, I, I, I like you. I remember the uh, Bam Bam Bigelow days. I definitely remember the Gold Dust days. Um. I want to say, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong person here, but didn't she have something to do with the Hardy Boys at one point? Didn't she cost them, like, a title shot or something? I, 
I may be thinking of somebody else. When they had just left, you know, the new brood, and they were branching out on their own as the Hardy Boys, I want to say she had a run-in with them or something, but Luna was definitely unique. And the thing that was interesting to read on Twitter was people like Daphne, who had a, an awesome tweet that said, thank you for, you know, allowing people to be different. You know, and allowing people to be, you know, not the norm. You know, and uh, she was definitely different. She was her own, you know, paved the way way for a lot of people to, to, to do what she did in the business. It's a shame now with, you know, sources like TMZ that won't leave shit alone that they found apparently a snorting straw and other prescription drugs in the house. Um, and I'm sure that's what led to the WWE not doing some kind of a tribute at the beginning of the show tonight. That and... You know, it is their 900th episode. At that point, we all expected something big and exciting. Kind of a bad way to start off something that you want everybody to be big and excited about. With uh, Before we start the party, let's remember the fallen, you know. So I see their point in a way there, but I'm hoping that they duct tape Linda McMahon's mouth shut when the news broke. I, I was also in the impression that, uh, you know, you brought up Doink the Clown. Didn't the original Doink the Clown pass away? Uh, no, actually, that was... Uh... That was his father, Tony oh, okay. Tony Bourne, uh, and okay. and my condolences definitely go out to uh, to Matt Bourne and, and his family. That's that's sad that we lost uh, you know two on the same day. I'm not really familiar much with uh, with Matt Bourne's father, Tony, but uh, it, it was a sad day indeed. I mean, Luna was was one of my all time favorites. Uh, like I said, she had a unique look. She was she was really China before China was there. She wasn't right. as big as China was. Uh, you know, from a from a physique standpoint, um, you know, I, I always love the the crazy shit that she would draw on her face. Uh, in fact, at, at the recent PWA show that happened this weekend, um, former WWE developmental talent uh, Ravenous Randy Myers, who was my longtime foil in Stampede Wrestling, uh, actually paid tribute to her by painting uh, the same lines in his face. He, you know, he's a he's a mohawk as well. But he actually painted those lines in his face for his uh, for his appearance at PWA this weekend, which I thought was uh, was a really classy thing to do. So uh, you know, it does suck that TMZ is reporting this. Unfortunately, it is part of the news, and it's something we have to report. I'm disappointed that World Wrestling Entertainment did not acknowledge the passing of Luna Vachon for all the years that she put into that company at various times. It just goes to show you that they don't always do it for every death. There are there are key ones. If somebody dies, they're going to cover it and they're going to make a, a stink about it. But they stopped doing the graphic a long time ago when somebody passed away at the beginning of the show. It's something they have not done in a while. And I admit I was a little miffed when they made no mention of Luna Vachon. I'm sure that when Linda McMahon is asked about it, she'll probably say that she can't be held responsible for the death of Luna Vachon and that she may have met her once or twice. Well, I just, you know, it's a sad day when you lose somebody like that, especially, you know, in, in a business where we lose too many as it is. Um, but, yeah, thoughts and prayers go out to the family and friends of all those that have passed away here recently, because there's been a, a few of them. Now, 
I will say this. I feel justified in what I said last week. The fact that Lance Cade's father, uh, Harley McNaught, came out and basically said that he was disrespected by the WWE, that he had actually attended some uh, some gatherings, uh, like you know, some different WWE functions, and Linda McMahon had come up and talked to Lance Cade on several occasions and was even introduced to Linda McMahon through his son. So I find it a little disrespectful and tasteless that those remarks were made by Linda McMahon. And at this point, any support I had for her running for Senate just went down the drain. I think she's shit, quite frankly. I, I really think she completely fucked that up. I have no respect for oh, Linda McMahon. I don't McMahon. doubt that at all. But, I mean, you know, to say that you're the figurehead of that company, that you only met somebody a couple times is ridiculous. You know? You know, especially... J.C. Bailey, Bailey passed away at the age of 26, former uh, CCW wrestler. Wow. That's, that's young. That is pretty young. Unfortunately, I, I really don't know a lot about uh, him. Unfortunately, I, I don't really follow CZW. Yeah, I don't, I don't follow CZW, but I mean, it's to lose anybody in the wrestling business, especially at that age, you know, you got to start thinking, you know, steroid abuse and all the bad things that can kill a person because you don't generally die of natural causes at 26. No, that's true. Um, at this time, I want to go ahead and put it out there. We're going to open the phone lines up. If you have something that uh, you'd like to talk about here on Wrestling News Live, feel free to give us a call. Just add Sunday Night Showdown to your Skype list or give us a call at 501-588-7957. On the positives, though, I will say this. Don't know if you heard about it, Trey, but it appears that uh, someone new is signed with TNA Wrestling. Dixie's been hinting around that she picked up somebody that everybody's been talking about. That's cool, man. That's cool. So it appears that at this point, Carlito has signed with TNA Wrestling. Um, I met Carlito and Jeff Hardy both at a WWE house show in Springfield one time, and he was Carlito. Jeff was really friendly and was really you know good with the fans, but Carlito had a big dip in his mouth and was just like, "Hey, whatever." Well, you know, you know. Um, was it dip or was it an apple? No, it was a dip. <laughs> okay. Um, as far as his role in TNA, as long as they don't try to make a fucking main eventer out of him. You know, because he's not a main event wrestler. He's a good mid-card guy that'll sell you some merchandise. That's about it. Well, I, I you know what? I think at one point in time, Carlito could have been a main event guy. I really think I I, I, I I really feel like they dropped the ball with his character. I mean, uh, you know, even John Cena had tweeted that, you know, he kind of felt like Carlito just didn't make it to the uh, to the point. Uh, he didn't live up to the potential that he had, you know, and whatever reason that was for, whether it was, you know, addictions to whatever he had or or whatever. I think that down the line, Carlito probably could have been, uh, you know, a transitional champion. Maybe even a little bit better, but I, I always felt like Carlito deserved a little bit more than what he got. But on that note, we actually do have a caller on the line. Welcome to Wrestling News Live. Who's this? Uh, Mark or Hollywood in the chat room. Hollywood. What's up, man? Oh, not much. Except for death, death, death. I don't know what it is, but first I have my aunt, great aunt pass away. 
And now I hear about Lance Kane and now Luna Vachon, someone who actually lives or did live at one time right across the pond in Omaha. I mean, her dad owns a gym there. So I was just, that was like just kind of like one of the things that's like, whoa, that's close to home. <laughs> yeah, it's close to home and, and, and so young. I mean, that's... Yeah. That's what blows me away is at, at her age, you know. Well, it blows me away. Any age, it's not, that's from natural causes. Well, I mean, I hate to hear of anybody passing away, but 48, there's, you know, a good 30 more years of your life ahead of you, you hope, you know? Yeah, true. It's just a sad thing, man. I mean, when, when you think of, you know, women wrestlers who have who have lived, you know, obviously past that age, I mean, you know, the fabulous Moolah, May Young, still alive. Yeah, and, and this woman... You know, does everything for the WWE. I, I mean, I swear to God, if when Mae Young passes away, and I, I, I swear, I hope it doesn't happen anytime soon. God bless her heart. But when Mae Young passes away, I'm going to be livid if those motherfuckers in, in the WWE don't put up a goddamn graphic at the start of their show and really do something special for that woman after everything she's done for this company, after all the tables that she's been put through. I wouldn't be surprised if she... Vince McMahon's personal secretary and gets his coffee every day. I mean, you know what? Honestly, when Mae Young goes out there a lot of times, I don't think she's all with it. I mean, she looks like she's, you know, not all there. <laughs> but by God, if they don't fucking do something special for her when, he, when, when she passes, I just might have to walk away from wrestling. I, I got to um, on that one. You, well, here, thing, so you want me to go out there and and put my what in his face? <laughs> Show him the puppies, mate. Yeah. Show him the puppies. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about WWE anymore. They don't care about their talent anymore. I mean, they could care less if someone dies. You know, that's I mean, that used to be a thing. You know, about ten, fifteen years ago, but every time someone passed away, they didn't care who it was. You saw the little the bumper at the beginning of the show. Yep. Speaking of WWE, I can't, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I would have kicked myself right in the ass for doing this. But right around, I think, right after the whole Bret Hart Kane thing, right after the, right around the, after the Layla, Lake Cole thing, I passed out. I mean, I could not stay awake. I mean, there was just nothing to keep me going on it. Like, okay. Brother, I, I'm with you. I remember being in the chat room and telling everybody I was going to bed, and everybody was like, "You got a show to do tonight." I'm like, "Fuck, I got to cover this shit." Come on. Yeah, it was a very easy show to doze off through. It's cruel and unusual punishment. Yeah, first of all, first of all. So, is there anything else on your mind tonight, Hollywood? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, TNA. Um, I know that a lot of people have been hating on TNA lately. I. Do not hate on TNA. I mean, I've been one of the ones who, you know, I never really knew about much about 2002 when it first started. But, you know, I started catching on about 2004, 2005. You know, I got to watch it more and more. You know, every product evolves. Every product goes through through changes. It's like life. You know, people change. Products change. You know, logos change. You know, give it time. You know, during the Monday Night Wars 2.0, I was actually one of the few people, I don't know if everyone else did this, but I did not watch Raw. I watched Impact. That's the only thing I cared about watching. But that's just me. 
Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing is that, you know, if there were more people like you out there, then this wouldn't be such an epidemic. But the problem is, is that, you know, what really bugs me is when I, when I hear other wrestling radio show hosts dogging TNA for no reason. I mean, it's well, not a, like, that's just a bad you know, thing. well, I mean, you know, a year ago you were co-hosting the show and you love TNA and then now you don't. Well, I don't, to me, nothing has really changed in TNA. They're still doing the same thing they were doing then. They're still making a lot of the same mistakes. I'll agree, but you know, nothing has changed so much that you could go from liking something to hating something. You know, um, Mark Madden, when he bashes TNA, it's out of being disgruntled that he wasn't given a job when all the other WCW guys were. Well, he was a really great announcer to begin with. I mean, that guy just has pure hate in just to begin with. Well, you got a point there. I mean, I, I can't confirm nor deny what the trade dog just said, but, you know, read between the lines. I guess I can't wait till my character gets the next E-Fed match. I'm kind of waiting for that. I know you've been kind of busy on that, so. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll, I'll actually be getting the E-Fed up. Uh, I'm going to try and get it done this week, so it'll be up by this weekend. Because cool. uh, I know September 15th, thereabouts, I've got to get Summer Scam ready to go, so. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I suppose yeah, someone else can get on, but good show so far, so talk to you guys later. Thanks. Uh, apparently, it is it is now the moment of truth for uh, for the man that I'm about to bring on here. But let me play ah, his theme. Crowley. Yeah, let me play his theme. Hey, if you're gonna have Crowley sing the Power Rangers theme, he also has to sing, sing the Common Rider theme because that was there before the because that was where the Power Rangers got their yeah you know, that was based off the Power Rangers anyway. That's what the Power Rangers are based off of. So he should sing the Common Rider theme. Uh, I, I'm just gonna make him do the Power Rangers theme. But uh, all right, all right. Th- thanks for calling in tonight, Hollywood. Yeah. Take you later. All right, man. So with that said, the fucking foreign the kid fucking has invaded kid. the show. Chris Kelly invades the fucking show. That fucking porn kid invades the fucking show. Chris Kelly invades the fucking show. That fucking porn kid. <laughs> Crilly, are you in the house, man? I am, unfortunately. I'm. I try. I did try my best to pass out. I tried breaking my headset. I tried breaking Ustream. I tried breaking Shoutcast, and it didn't work. So I have to man up and do it. That's right. It is. It is time to man it up, Crilly. I know you can do this. Hold on. I want to get a good. Cig- I'm gonna light a cigarette for this. Hold on. So before I lose all my 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 credibility, tomorrow I do want to plug something for Unplugged. What's that? The, uh, as, as you know, I spoke to you about the other day. You and I will be interviewing former WWE and TNA knockout Shane Martinez live on Unplugged tomorrow night. Oh, sweet. So that should be kind of fun. So that's my shameless plug before I lose every single bit of credibility that, that I've ever had on the internet. Okay, what the hell happened you got, to... What you got the, good and loose for this. You're drinking some water. You've done your scales. La, 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 la. You're ready to... I want I, your full I, effort. I don't want you to half-ass this. If I feel that you're half-assing this in any way, it doesn't count, and you will have to sing again at another time. 
dude, it's fucking six in the morning. I cannot be full volume. Well, that's not my fault. <laughs> I will sing it, but I can't be really loud. Okay, before we go any further, I have lost my link to the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers team. So can somebody send that to me, Crelly? Do you actually have the copy? Because I had it, and it's not here now. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> God damn it. But Dude, dude my ego needs to stay, stay, stay intact. What ego? You have nothing okay. to have an ego over, foreign kid. Just shut the fuck up till you're told to sing. Yeah, shut There's the fuck. Shut the fuck up and sing. <laughs> There's a song, and I do credit YouTube for the song. Oh, it's the moment of truth, Crelly. And see, you, you could have had this easy last week. Is there actually words in this one? Yeah. All right. So are you ready to go? We'll just take it off from right there, and you can go with it. Unfortunately, <sighs> yeah. Or do you want me to start over? Tell, tell me what you want me to do, because you're doing this. Just whatever. If we start, I, I, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to lose my, my self-respect anyway. All right, it's restarting, and Crelly, it's time, my friend. You're going to get this fucking shit going, buddy. I'll even turn it down a little bit for you, but here we go. No, 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 no. Feel free to turn it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's as loud as it gets, bitch. I hate you, I really do. Don't you dare fuck the chorus up. You better get that. Go, go, Power Rangers, Mighty Muffin, Power Rangers. Why are you fucking the chorus up, man? Fucking sing this shit. No, you, you were fucking fading in and out. Fucking sing the goddamn chorus, Crelly. Dude, the song was in and out. Awesome. All right, all right, all right, all right. Turn the song off. Turn the song off. Kill the music. I'm disappointed. Kill the music. I'm disappointed, Crelly. I want, I want Crelly to sing it without the music. <laughs> okay. Really? Yep. Dude, I wasn't cutting it out. I, the, 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 the shut the fuck up, foreign kid. Just <laughs> sing the fucking song without the music. But it's hard because I need another tune. Well, you tough shit. G- give it your best. I'm guessing you want me to lose every kind of point and, oh, fuck's sake. Okay. They got a power and a force that you've never seen before. They got... The ability to morph and even up the score. No one will ever take them down. The power's on their side. Go, go, Power Rangers. Go, go, Power Rangers. 
Go, go, Power Rangers. Muddy Morphin, Power Rangers. There's the chorus. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> this oh. song interlude was brought to you by... Oh, I can't see. <laughs> Headlocks to headlines.com, the official sponsor of the Grammys. Uh, see, it, it, it was not bad. It wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> this is true, but at least I have the balls to come on live. I didn't do it. I'll give you that, Curly. You got balls, kid. That was, uh, oh my God. Oh, God. I smell a I smell a new commercial promo in the works already. Oh, we are the proverbial punch. We're the fucking proverbial turds in the punch bowl. Oh my hey, god! Hey, you think tomorrow night you could clip some of that and play it for Shelly? I just might have to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can do the rest of the show, man. I'm, my sides are fucking killing me right now. Oh. Hi, my name's Trey. I live in Claremore, Oklahoma, and I came to TRL to see Crowley. Woo! Oh, I don't know if we could follow anything up with that, man. That's uh, that's a show ender right there, buddy. <laughs> oh my God! Wow. The only thing I regret is that we're recording the archive as we do it, or or else we could play that back for you. Oh God, I know. I, I, you know what? I, I sense a commercial in the works on that one. To oh, be fair, yeah. to be fair it, it, it would be much better with the song on. But no, for some, no we for gave some you bit, the song. We gave you the song, and you were yeah, like, "Go, go." It was Skype. It wasn't me. Okay, here's what I want. Here's what I want. Here's what I want. I want somebody to email me a link to the Power Rangers song with no words, and then I will mix Crelly on top of it. Well, that's awesome. So therefore, you'll have your music underneath you. That sounds quite scared, so... I mean, it ain't going to make it sound any better. I mean, it's like polishing a turd with <laughs> shit. But this, this is an open chance to anyone. Now, this is a show. If you feel it's you like can trying do better... To polish it's like trying to polish the peanuts in a big turd. It ain't going to make it any better or worth any more money. I promise you that. If if someone wants to to change that and do a better one, any, any listeners, any, any staff on SNS, feel free. This this could be right, a new Jimmy. thing. People can sing. All right, Jimmy. Because I manned up, now it's someone else to man up. Well, good luck on that. I, d- I doubt that happens. Exactly. Well, you, you guys can't sit there and say Crelly's not the man, because uh, I'm surprised he did it, quite frankly. That was awesome. All the props to Crelly. Absolutely. Now let's smack him in the face with Matt Hardy's penis and move on. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time, right, Crelly? Get, get out of here, you fucking foreign kid. Chris Kelly. Invasive fucking show. That fucking porn kid. Invasive fucking show. Oh my god, that was, uh, I'm still teared up here, man. That was, uh. Oh, he'll fucking chime in again before it's over. Oh, probably. 
on that note, uh, I don't know how anybody can follow that up, but we actually do have a call on the line. Um, I hope it's a good one because I don't know how anybody can can follow uh, Crelly singing the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers theme. But on that note, welcome to Wrestling News Live. Who's this? Let me let me just say this, Chris Kelly. I would I would just say any Power Rangers fan would be would be screaming their heads off to how bad that sound. Walkie, <laughs> the only thing better would be to listen to you sing. I'd be willing to. I mean, the only thing funnier than Walkie singing or than than Crowley singing Power Rangers would either a be listening to you have sex or b you singing a song. Yeah, I, I'd be willing to say, sing it. Hell, I even that he was botching. I was singing it with better uh, better tones than Mr. Crowley there. So well, you got to pick get, a different song. <laughs> you got to pick a different song. We've already got one copy of the Power Rangers for our greatest hits album. We need something different from you. <laughs> oh, what do you guys want to do? I don't care. Tell you what, Walkie, ne- next week, next week on this program, well, next, week. next week on this program, you can call in and you get to sing the theme from Star Trek. Well, there easy. you go. There you go. Yeah, I've done it before, and it's, it's got rave reviews. I'm sure all it's going to consist of is, oh. No, there's going to be something. Be really singing. It's going to have something. It's going to be something with words. No, I, I, I'm going with Star Trek. No, you're not just going to come on here and go, oh, 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 No, I, I want some words to a song. I need some so, I need some song substance. Actually, yeah, I, now that I think about it, that's all that has into it. There's not a Star Trek song all with right, words. All right, I got a song. I got a song. I got a song. It's got to be sci-fi, is Trey. Well, no, not really. No, I, I, I want sci-fi. I want to hear Walkie sing the theme to The Love Boat. Yeah, because it's going to start, you know, airing on the Sci-Fi Channel in reruns. I think. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what it has to do with Sci-Fi, but it'll make me piss my pants laughing. So that's what I want to hear. <laughs> Come on, Walkie, you can do it. The love boat soon will we'll be making for, another. We'll save it for next week. We'll save it for next week. You could totally Trey, do it next week. You've been waiting week. to hear me sing that for the last six years, haven't you? Oh yeah, like I barely get any sleep at night. <laughs> Yes, and all that stuff. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. All right. So, so other than making fun of our uh, foreign kid, what'd you call him for? You know, I, I, I gotta say, I'm, I, 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 been, I was sitting through the entire show, honestly, not really expecting what the what the people would say about Monday Night Raw tonight, because I got back from work and I was watching the DVR of it, and to be honest with you, oh, here comes the hate. I, I, I thought it was a good show tonight. What? What? What the fuck? When did you start smoking pot? See, I, I told you guys. I told you. See, it's her thing. No, I thought it was a good show tonight. Was it the best Raw of all time? No, but, you know, I thought it was a good show, average to an okay show. You know, it's it's just how I feel. I just it just kind of floored me that you guys, that you guys and about everyone in the chat room just like was like going crazy on it. It's just like, well, <laughs> because, Walkie, because, I haven't, I haven't hung up on you in many many years. Well, I know. And I don't pre- I don't condone drug use during the show. Well, and you've got to obviously be on something to have thought that was a good show. 
honestly, I honestly, I'm, I'm being straight up, honestly serious with you guys, because I, you know, I just I ran through what I what I've seen. I mean, this is how it is with me when it comes to Raw, because I worked two to tens at the, the Lassie Pickle Factory, and then I watched whoa, Raw with you whoa, guys. Whoa, and I, whoa, 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 whoa! Did you just say you work at the Pickle Factory? <laughs> Obviously, you haven't been paying attention to my Facebook. Yes. Oh my God! Now I know what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> you make pickles. I. God. Here we go. Yes, I make pickles. I happen to make elastic rice. That's it. I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> I can hear JJ laughing in the background. I'm out. What's oh my wrong God. With that? I'm just waiting for the punchline, Trey. I'll pay for it, too. That is the fucking punchline. He works at a goddamn pickle factory. <laughs> Velastic pickle factory. That's the best oh, pickles, everyone, Trey. Uh, everyone buy Velastic pickle right now, see? I, I'm a good employee. But I'm kind of with Trey. Are you drinking the fucking pickle juice? What the what fuck are you, are you thinking? What pickle factory? I make relish, like I said. You make relish? Yes, relish. Crumpled so how's that? So how is that relish. done in mass quantities? In, in mass quantities. Well, I'll just give you the quick version. Basically, uh, we take we we take the pickles, any sweet or uh, green cucumbers, and uh, mash them up. You know, and we call it de salt. You know, mash them up into you know the de salt. You know, before we put all the ingredients inside of it. And then basically, I just make the relish. You know, put the ingredients, put the vinegar. Put uh, sugar and uh, mix them up. Make take it to the lab. Make sure the lab uh, okay's it and uh, put some corrections into it and uh, get it ready to be uh, produced. And the reason why I brought this December. up, the reason why I wanted him to explain all that is because this is the guy who just said raw was good tonight. Now we know why. I I, I just hope that you know <clears throat> tomorrow there's not a a big announcement on Facebook or, or, you know, circulating the World Wide Web that the Crelly was let go by the Pickle Factory for giving the recipe away. That was walking. But either I mean, way, you're right. I mean, honestly, I, I, you know, this show has gotten people fired before. I hope it doesn't happen again. Yeah, can we I, get Vlastic Pickles to sponsor this fucking mess? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I like don't know. pickles. I, I mean, when somebody helps. asks me what I want on my burger, I always say pickles. What what kind of pick? What kind of brand? Vlasic? Well, I'll be a Vlasic pickle-eating motherfucker if they start sponsoring the show. Hell, we'll give pickles out for prizes. Say that five times fast. Ah. Oh, well, you know what? <clears throat> You're entitled to your opinion, my friend, but uh, I, I disagree. Well, I, I, I thought the show was shit. I, yeah, I'm entitled to my opinion, and I know other people have you know agree with me, and uh, on that type of aspect, I I thought it was a good show. I went into it, you know, not being very objective about the show, like you know, like I always try to do is try to be a wrestling fan, because I've always said I, I've always said this, and I've always believed this. This like almost like the IWC being so objective about everything, it's almost like hurting you know the credibility of wrestling. Well, I mean, I, my, my question is, what about tonight, as a just wrestling fan without the wrestling community, did you find interesting, fun, entertaining? Well, from what I could see, yeah, I enjoyed 
the CM Punk, uh, the CM Punk segment. Now, did you watch? Did you watch this, or are you just reading what happened? I watched it. I DVR Monday Night Raw, and every time I go home, I come home to work, I watch it. And sometimes I watch it while I'm listening to you guys. But the the beauty of tonight's show was that you didn't have to fast forward to the matches because the WWE did that for you. Well, name me name me name me the one other time the, that they've done that before. Nine hundred episodes. You know, it's not the first time they've done that. Are you snorting the relish? <laughs> no, I'm being extra serious there, Trey, and you know that's why I wanted to call in and just bring up a different opinion because. Well, I'm you still know, I, waiting for. I'm still waiting for why you enjoyed it. What? I'm what about it was you. enjoyable? For the main, also for the other, other main reason, because I thought, and I know that you, I know you're going to disagree with me on this, Trey, because I followed your, uh, I followed your tirades on face on uh, Twitter. I thought that they forwarded the, uh, the the Nexus storyline by having them find, beat beat the team, beat the John Cena and all those guys. I thought they forwarded the storyline to that pretty good. Whether or not it ends up being with uh, Wade Barrett being the star and everyone goes away, to me it really doesn't matter. It's just forwards what they what they've done. How? I but can how? See it. They, I can they... see it. I can see it from from really from a whole of how they've done it. You know, I I didn't. They see beat up so on three guys. Well, it's oh, it's obvious it's going to happen. They beat up on three. It beat up on three guys, and they tr- and the good, good guys tried to come back, come back until it finally got to Wade Barrett, and then Wade Barrett just caught Randy Orton to beat him. It was a ten-minute match. It wasn't an epic struggle for the good guys to try to overcome. It was less than ten minutes, and the numbers of the Nexus again at the main event of Raw outdid John Cena. So it was five <laughs> on three. How does that make me believe these guys are badasses when they can't win when the numbers are matched up correctly? They They've can always, only win when they have a man advantage. That's how that's how the Nexus storyline has always been because they always have to go as a group. They can't function by themselves. Well, so that's what makes them weak. Group. That's what makes them weak I, is that they I, can't stand on their great. own. They they go at, they go at it as a gang war, gang warfare, and I thought and I think that's pretty interesting. Now, I, I just want to get to this before you guys, before something else happens. I did not watch SummerSlam. I did not watch SummerSlam. And I'm just going by everything everything the Internet Wrestling Radio has said. But, after seeing tonight and seeing it from a broader story angle, you know, you, everyone was saying, oh, how, you know, Nexus didn't get, you know, the rub or the push at SummerSlam. But I look at it, it's like, what's the use of, what's the use in a PG era WWE, when you have kids and fans, well, let me just say this: my nephew is getting into the WWE. Is getting into that aspect. He loves John Cena. He loves John Cena, and I think that's great. And so I, I look at it. It's like you know, it's obvious that the good guys obviously is going to get a win, but it's got to it's got to further the story angle and that aspect. You know, so I mean, like I said, what I tried to say before. I watch Raw, and then during the week, I keep watching it, and you know, just to uh, get you know the full aspect of it. So, it is, I thought it was a good Raw tonight. You know, that's you know my different opinion. You know, when you guys disagree with it, it's fine. No, and you know, you're I, entitled to it. I just don't think that your reason for liking it is relevant. Well, that's your opinion. We can agree to disagree, Trey. 
I mean, I'll take five guys over three any day. It doesn't matter who they are. That's real. That's, that's obviously it's obviously what's going to happen. Everyone would expect that. So how did that further them? I, I just don't understand how it made them look stronger. Obviously, it made Barrett look stronger because obviously I mean, it's looking well, like... Well, no. I mean, if over in TNA, if EV 2.0 beat up three of the, the Fortune guys, would that make them look stronger? It would actually make, make it look silly. Well, it's the same thing. No, I, it's a little different. You add, add the ages of the EV 2.0. Why? Why? Well, it's like I said you last week. You add the ages. You add the ages. And see, that's the problem. You're adding the ages. Well, Essentially, you, you it's the at, same you look at Nexus is Nexus is basically young guys. It's basically trying to take the over the company. Open. Yeah. Trying to take over the company with the one baby face standing in their way. John Cena, the ultimate, the okay. ultimate guy. The guy that my, ne- right. that my nephew Jeremiah likes. So, good for your nephew Jeremiah. I'm glad he has a wrestling favorite. Yeah. But, in TNA, Fortune's trying to take over at the expense of EV 2.0. It's the same fucking thing. You're the one that adds the agent. In you're the one that adds the bag, adds the baggage, and you're the one that adds the history in there. Because essentially, on paper, when I write five names down and it's versus three, it's the same thing. It's always the same thing. Well, you just said it. Like I've said, you just before. contradicted yourself. No, I let me let me just say this because I think it's different with EV 2.0 because you have They're a bunch older. of guys. Yes, but let me continue. You have a bunch of guys that, yeah, they have their history with the extreme hardcore wrestling that's 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 hurt people in the past. And you put them into TNA, and here you got once again, you know. And I find it extremely funny. And I and I meant when I said in the chat room, they said, "Oh, Bischoff made it funny that that, that TNA has the youth moment." <laughs> they do not. Because the, their main event scene, with the exception Hardy, Hardy and uh, Je- Anderson and all that, it basically is filled with old guys. It's like I said in Twitter before, TNA for the TNA from the '90s that can't, this can't go away. I like those guys, I really do. But I'm just trying. <laughs> We're in the year 2010, and you know we have to move forward. So. I think I pissed off the tree dog. No, actually, he's he's calling back in. He had to. Oh, he's calling back in. Yeah, he okay. had to leave the casino, you know, because uh, it's. Oh a, yeah, I forgot about that. My yeah. bad. It's about that time, but I, I think we have Trey back on the line. Trey, there. No, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. I just, you know, that to me, and you say that you know TNA doesn't have younger guys. They do have younger guys. But they're not yeah. really they're not really pushing them up as much as they should. Well, they are, I mean, they, I mean they, they are they are in the way, but it gets to the point when 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 is the relevance of an AJ Styles who I like and Beer Money who I like gets to the point when it's like they're becoming like old gear because they're trying to push these guys up and it's not working. 
because TNA is not advertising their stuff. They're not doing everything that they should to try to knock on the door of the people who are not like us who who go out to the IWC and go out and listen to the listen to this stuff. They don't know about they don't know about TNA. TNA is like going out and trying to tell them, look, you don't. Like what WWE is doing here? Here's us. Here's TNA. We got these new guys that you never heard of, AJ Styles, Bill, Beer Money, and all those guys. They're not doing that. That's why they're getting well, that has, that has nothing to do. Their 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 promotion or lack thereof has nothing to do with has nothing to do with whether or not their five on five raw or five on five struggle is any different than WWE's five on five struggle. <laughs> would you talk? Would you talk about the differences between companies? That has nothing to do with how five guys from Fortune on three guys from EV 2.0 is any different than five on three from the other side. You said it yourself that you added the age and all that shit in there. That's all I was getting at, Walkie. I I I respect your opinion, you know, and. That's why I called in here to put in a different opinion about but, but, how and, myself. And, uh, and by the same token, though, I will agree that the WWE had a chance before they fucked it all up to make Nexus interesting. They just chose not to. They chose to fuck it up. And now they're scrambling to try to fix it. Well, five-on-three beatdowns don't fix it. Five-on-three does not make you look strong. I'll say five on five, five on five, if they win that fight tonight in the main event, it's five on five, that's totally different. Again, it's like I say, I'm looking at this from a broader angle and what, how I, I think I, I'm seeing this. Now, if the news are correct and they're going to they're gonna break up Nexus in October, yeah, it's going to be unfortunate because they should, they should continue this on for many months to come. But I'm looking at this at an angle. It's like WWE is trying to push these guys as being these badasses. Yeah, they got their problems. They can't win. They can't win on their own. Yeah, they got problems. Well, They're rookies. But they have to go I, over in a gang warfare. I'm surprised that they even had that as a main event tonight. And the reason why is because long before this feud even started, when this feud, well, when this feud just started. Wade Barrett and all of Nexus, and they continue to say this, their greater purpose has nothing to do with John Cena. Well, if that's the case, why haven't they moved on and revealed what this fucking purpose is? Number one. Number two, if what they say in the Internet is true, that Nexus is going to disband in October, they need to shit or get off the pot, or their purpose isn't going to matter because they're not going to be there. Well, we don't really know what they're gonna do with the season two of NXT. We got so it, it's it's really off the it's really off the case. I don't know what they're gonna do with that. If they're gonna add on to the Nexus or to SmackDown, whatever. So you never know what they're really gonna do because it's only a rumor about them disbanding in October. Well, I don't I don't think they're gonna add any of the NXT season two guys to the, the Nexus group. I don't think they're gonna do that at this point. I don't know. It's just. I mean, the whole Nexus, the whole the whole NXT thing is up in the air. We don't even know if they're going to have a season three yet. Yeah, it's something that WWE wants to do, but they don't have a place to put it. So I mean, I just you know I mean, 
I'm glad you enjoyed Raw tonight. I, I know that, you know, like I said in my column today, we should all try to enjoy it. But tonight wasn't even a normal show. It wasn't even a normal Raw, let alone all the hype that they put into it being the 900th episode. So they let a lot of people down with that, number one. Number two, by having it so fast match-wise, it wasn't even a normal Raw. Like I said, it was like, we got two hours to fill, let's throw as much shit out there as we can, and hurry up and get back to the party. That's what it felt like. It felt like everybody on that roster tonight had somewhere else they'd rather be. I agree. It's like they phoned that shit in tonight. You know, there was a big pussy party backstage, and, you know, you couldn't be in two places at once, so why be out in the ring? You'd rather be backstage. You know, I mean, it was just like nobody wanted to be there for longer than 30 seconds or 45 seconds tonight. Other than the big SmackDown thing between, you know, the SES and Big Show, and then Undertaker, Kane, and Bret Hart at the beginning of the show. Everything else was basically a squash. But if that's what you like and you were entertained by it, then hey, so be it. You yeah. are going to find yourself in the very, very small minority. Well, don't be surprised if the ratings come in and it ends up being the same. Ratings if it, or it goes up. No, ratings I disagree. Mean ratings mean everything. It ratings mean everything. Is there a Nielsen box on your TV? No. it's We can thank the, the Monday Night War of 10 years ago for that, for making ratings relevant, and a lot of people on the Internet that care about it. Here's why ratings are not relevant, Walkie. Do you watch, um, let's see, do you watch White Collar? No. See, it's my favorite show. But should I think you're a fucking idiot because you don't watch it and I do? <laughs> no. Well, then the Nielsen ratings shouldn't tell me what's popular if they're not going to be on my TV. But the point... But if they're the not, point. listen to me, if they're not going to install that ratings meter in every television that rolls out of the pickle factory, if they're not going to put that little fucking black box on every TV that, that gets sold at Best Buy, Walmart, Craigslist, whatever, if they're not going to put one in every fucking TV, then fuck the three-fourths of the people that have them or the quarter of the people that have them trying to tell me that because they watch a program and it's rated high because that quarter of the United States watches it, that I should watch it because it's a high rating. Fuck you. Well, the fact that, the fact is that it, it made relevant because of the Monday Night War, because Bischoff bitched, bitched his ass off to say, oh, we've got beat Monday Night War 84 straight weeks in a row. But there, is no, there is no Monday Night War. They're not, they're not feuding with anybody, Walkie. It was 10 year, years ago. It was because of that that, it, that people on the Internet it, consider it relevant. That's my point. Ratings, ratings are irrelevant as hell to everybody but the Internet wrestling community. Yeah, it's because of that. Is the internet wrestling community cares about it? And because I can care less. I can, that I, they are. I could care less what the internet wrestling community thinks. I could care less either. But it's you know. So I'm, I'm not going to let that. I'm not going to let. I'm not going to let the fact that they rolled out a 3.5 tonight 
next, you know, Wednesday, when I find out what the ratings were for tonight, and they tell me it was a 3.5, I'm not going to retract my statement and go, oh, shit, JJ, we were wrong. It was a good show. No, because the entire population, the entire population of wrestling fans weren't given a chance to vote. Only a small percentage that have the Nielsen box on their TV were allowed to vote. And I could give a fuck less what one quarter of the world thinks. That's sure well, right. Now, if they, if they put that on everybody's TV and we all had a chance to vote and they really tallied the votes the correct way, then you would see a dip and you would see inflectuation in the numbers. But if the same people have the same box on the same TV... Whatever they watch is what's being voted on. How do we know that's good? Because they said so? But who the fuck are they to tell me what I'm supposed to like and dislike on TV? Just like I can't tell you you should like White Collar if you don't watch it. Well, you know what? I I think the point's been made. We're obviously going to agree to disagree here. I want to thank you, Walkie, for calling in. I value your input. But at the same time, like I said, we're just going to agree to disagree. I personally just was not a fan of the show. It bored me to tears. Maybe it's because my own high expectations. I expected more out of a groundbreaking 900th episode than a, a below-average Raw. And and that's where I'm going to leave it because that's kind of okay. what it, it represented to me tonight. Well, you don't mind if I say one more thing and then I'll, I'll, I'll leave and you guys can uh, finish up the show if you don't mind? Go for it. Okay. Well, it, yeah, it's my opinion, and the greatest thing about, you know, we're, it, it, of, of being human beings is that we have our opinions. The, the people say p- opinions are like an asshole. True. Wrestling, I, you know, to me, I've always tried this. You know, when I had when I had the Walker's View show two years ago, I was like everyone, everyone else. I was bashing the hell out of wrestling. I was hating Cena. I was hating everything else. I had to get out of that and be a fan again, and just really enjoy what the WWE is, and really enjoy what TNA is. I'm not hating on TNA. They have good things going, and I enjoy WWE because I'm good, good things going, because I want to try to be a pro wrestling fan, even though I'm opinionated as hell. You guys know that, and everyone that's listened to me and has heard me in the past know that. And it's like, my thing I want to say is that it's something that Trey has said on many occasions with TNA. To go watch Monday Night Raw, really leave the IWC bullshit in the back and go watch WWE Raw as a fan. And the same can be said said reversal with TNA. And I saw tonight as a fan, and I enjoy it. It's, like many cases, the family-friendly stuff to me is something I, I would let, let my nephew watch. I can't watch let my nephew watch TNA. But it really... Have go watch Raw next time and just have be a fan. So that's that's all I gotta say. And I appreciate you guys. Even though you disagree with me, that's cool. But I do appreciate you guys uh, letting me call in. So I'll go let you guys finish up the show and uh, peace out. All right, thanks, Walkie. I agree with Walkie. You know, I, and that's that, that is what I said. But like I said tonight, watching this show tonight, even as a guy who throws. My feelings of Raw and I has nothing to do with the internet wrestling community, ratings, letter grades, nothing. It was just a horrible show. Well, see, you know... It was just a boring show. I agree, and, you know, he made a good point. You know, stop watching it as a member of, of the internet wrestling community. I didn't watch this show tonight 
as J.J. Sexay, the fucking wrestling host. I sat down and watched this show tonight as Jeff Jackson, the fan who's been watching professional wrestling since I was eight years old and watched the first Monday Night Raw, and now I'm watching the 900th episode of Monday Night Raw. And as that fan, as Jeff Jackson, I'm disappointed. Right. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm not... I'm not criticizing Walkie for having his own opinion. Let, look, God bless him for having an opinion. You know, just, you know, I was making fun of Walkie and having some fun with Walkie earlier. But, I mean, you know what? If you enjoyed tonight's show, then great. I personally, as a fan of wrestling, thought tonight's show was mailed in. It was shit. It was hurried through, it was rushed, and it didn't even feel like a normal, regular edition of Raw after they hyped it for being something that was supposed to be a bigger, badder edition because it was number 900. So I was let down twice by the same show. You know, it just so happens that if I didn't have a radio show that comes on directly after Raw, I would have just turned the channel a long time ago tonight on tonight's show. Well, you know, I would have flipped back and forth, but I would have I wouldn't have viewed it my full attention. Uh, looking in the chat room, Mac Daddy brings up a, a nice point. Could your thoughts be influenced by the chat while watching Raw? I'll be real honest with you, Mac Daddy. I was in the chat room, but I wasn't necessarily spending a lot of time watching what was going on in the chat room. Of course, I'm in the chat room every Monday night getting ready for the show. So a lot of times I don't even mess with the computer while I'm doing that. I'm sitting here watching the show. So, no, the IWC had no influence on me. Looking in the chat room had no influence on me because there were times I wasn't even bothered with it. There was a time I didn't even look at the chat for at least an hour and a half. So, no, that had nothing to do. And he brings up a good point because former places this show has been had the most snobby fucking chat room in the world, and I got to a point where I couldn't be in that chat room while wrestling was on period because everybody in the chat room knew more than the people behind the scenes. Right. And I got to, I got to a point where I was like, God damn, I can't handle this anymore. I mean, it was just, everything was bad. Nothing was good. And we're all smarter than Vincent Bischoff. Well, if that's the case, why aren't the 45 of you motherfuckers in the chat room, you know, booking wrestling shows? Cause none of one of them was, you know? Yeah. That's so, a good point. I just had to get out of there, and, I, and ever since that day, I, I generally, I'll bounce in and out of the chat room. I'll be like JJ on Mondays. A lot of the times I'm in the chat room, but I'm on another window of Explore looking up something on a website for a show. Well, yeah. While and I'm I, watching Raw. And I'm usually, you know, I, I, I usually spend a lot of time doing show prep, too, before the show. Yeah, so I mean, I may, I may be in the chat room, but I'm not, sorry, chat room, I'm not following what you're saying 90% of the time during Raw. Yeah, so let that be known. Uh, on that note, I want to kind of move us into some emails. We've got quite a few. We'll take some calls after the emails and wrap this show up. Uh, quite a few emails. We're going to go back to last Thursday. Uh, before I do that, let's pull up our, our email sounder for today. You've got, 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 got mail. You've got mail. You've got mail. Stop breaking the law, asshole! That's right. Stop breaking the law, asshole. First email right. comes from uh, Christopher Lundgren, and he hails from Sweden. Hi, my name is Chris. I'm from Sweden. I've listened to you guys for four months now, and I have to say that uh, you are the funniest, serious, and entertaining wrestling show out there. Thank you. Now, because I can't get Spike and I can't order TNA pay-per-view because I have cable, 
So I watched the live streams. In Denmark, you can order TNA pay-per-view without any problem. I agree with Trey Dog's opinions because that is to an extent that I feel about the WWE and TNA. Thanks for the great show, and your show is the highlight of my week. Take care, Chris. Well, I apologize that we're the highlight of your week. <laughs> but you didn't find out that Walkie works at a pickle factory. So there you go. And you got to hear Crelly sing uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Maybe that wasn't the highlight yeah, of the week I, next I, week. I mean, I mean, that's probably going to be my highlight of the week, if knowing that Crelly was sang on the show. But uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, thank you for the email. Um, where was it? Sweden? Holy shit. Yeah, we, we got Swedish. We, we've had people from Norway. Now we have Sweden. Uh, we have India. India. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm still holding out for Japan and China. Somebody out there from Japan and China is listening. No, I know they are. Um, all right, let's go to the next email. I, I'm even holding out for someone in my birthplace. I was born in the Philippines. There's got to be some Filipino wrestling fans out there, especially with the popularity of Batista. Yeah, in fact, there's a bunch of them. This is true. And no, I'm not Asian. So before you start asking that, no, I'm not. I'm an American citizen born on a U.S. Army Air Force base in the Philippines. There you go. There you go. On that note, uh, let's move on to our next email. Hey, guys, before I start, I'd like to say you guys do an awesome job with the show each and every week. I've been a foreign kid fan from London, England since 2005. Uh, The Kid Cash interview, to be precise. And I will always be a fan. I'd like to talk about the lack of prestige when it comes to titles and wrestling, uh, more so the WWE. Right now we have a set of tag team belts that look like they've either got chocolate inside or have come free in a cereal box. Couldn't agree more. We've got a United States champion who is focused on becoming the WWE champion, which I'll bite is understandable. It seems he's forgotten he already has a title and hasn't defended it in ages. We have an intercontinental champion who I'm a big fan of. It just seems to be Kofi Kingston's personal punch bag. Also, the secondary belts, more so the Intercontinental Championship, being defended at WrestleMania. I think the last time it was defended at WrestleMania would have been Rob Van Dam versus William Regal at WrestleMania 18. Nowadays, the champion is either in the Money in the Bank or, in Umaga's case, at WrestleMania 23, jobbing to Bobby Lashley. Both the IC and U.S. belts used to be so pre- used to be so prestigious to the point where it was more excited about the history of the IC title belt DVD more than the world title DVD. The IC belt was always a stepping stone towards world title reigns, but now it seems just a fashion accessory. I've only been watching wrestling for 10 years, but I've done my research and went back to the history of wrestling, so I know what I was becoming a fan of and didn't know any belt in North America. Scratch that. WWE has really been held in high regard since about 2001. And that's really sad because I remember watching from DVDs and YouTube when title changes made the crowd go nuts, when the belts actually meant something, not only did the crowd, but the company itself. My question to you both and all of the WNL family is this. What do you think WWE can do to at least attempt to restore some sort of prestige to their championships, if at all, Danny? I would say the first thing for their secondary championships is put them on the waist to guys that have been world champions like Chris Jericho or perfect guy right now would be Edge. You know, if Edge could get in a match or a program with The Miz that ends up being for the the United States title, let Edge carry that for a little while. That builds up credibility to those belts. And then, as far as putting some credibility back on the world titles, 
Just don't defend the motherfuckers every month at a pay-per-view. You're all the fuse out. Make them, make them worth more. For, make the payoff worth more. You know, this guy's been chasing this guy for three months. He finally gets a title shot. But it means more than, you know, every week somebody challenging for the title. Well, I kind of disagree. And, and this is kind of the way I look at it. I mean, you go back to when Bret Hart was the champion, even Shawn Michaels. Those two are the guys, or those are two of the guys that are credited with having uh, the most insane run with the belt because they were always putting it up every chance they got. I mean, I don't know how many times Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart collectively put that title on the line. We're talking house shows, you know, always, always defended those titles. Back then, that belt meant something. As far as a fix, you know, like I said, the Miz carries that U.S. title around like a prop. That's what it is. Make no mistake about it. As much as I want to say that the belts are prestigious, the bo- at not. the end of the day, they're not. They're they're a prop meant to get somebody over. But I would like to see those belts seem like they're a little bit more prestigious. I've said this many times before. As far as my solution to the problem, as far as the Miz is concerned, Daniel Bryan has to take that title off him at Night of Champions. And Daniel Bryan is a guy that you could hold in the same regard as a Chris Benoit, who's a technical master. And I would like to see a guy like Daniel Bryan take that title and defend it, you know, a la Shawn Michaels' Bret Hart schedule when they were the champs. And maybe that would build some more prestige. Maybe that would make that belt more relevant. Maybe it would make the person who gets that belt after that more relevant. Just a thought. It's possible. I agree with you. It's just a thought. Thanks for the email, by the way. Absolutely. Thank you, Danny, for that. Uh, moving on, this comes from our good friend Evan O'Brien. Evan O'Brien. Fella. Uh, it starts Bye. off, hey guys, I would like to congratulate Trey on an excellent column. It was a great read and I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, a while back on the show, you guys were saying how the mid-card titles were being made a mockery of. I have to disagree. Ever since the brand split, the invasion angle, and the in- introduction of the World Heavyweight Championship, titles like the Intercontinental Championship just stopped being a priority for the company. In 2002, you saw titles like the Hardcore Championship and the European Championship disappear. How diluted do you think those championships would be if they were still around? Championships are used to elevate guys and titles like the World Heavyweight Championship to a better job since it has the associated history with promotions such as WCW and the NWA. In conclusion, mid-card titles are important but have become less of a priority over time due to the changes in that company's TV and booking structure. Evan O'Brien, co-webmaster and owner of FromHeadlocksToHeadlines.com. Evan O'Brien! They're always after his lucky charms. No, wait, that's that's Dara. You know, I, you're speaking of Evan O'Brien, somebody on my Twitter page started a thing called Facts You Learn From Watching, or Facts you, Things You Learn From Listening to Wrestling News Live, and one of them was a box of Lucky Charms cost $10 an iron, or something like that, I don't know. Anyway, um, I'm glad he read my column, that's cool, I appreciate that. It's always nice. Um, as far as the belts go, man, like I said, we just kind of covered that, so... Well, like I said, yeah, we, we, we kind of covered our thoughts. And again, I think that especially when you're someone who gets that shot with an Intercontinental belt or a U.S. title, you are, you know, back in the old days when guys like Mr. Perfect and Bret Hart got that title, 
It was because they were being groomed to be in that world title pitcher, you know. Right, um, right. When Bret Hart won it in 92, he had a good run with it. After he dropped it to Davey Boy Smith at SummerSlam, you know, it was a house show not too long after that that, you know, he beat Ric Flair and became a WWF champion for the first time. Even The Rock. I mean, he was, the at the time that he won the belt, he was the youngest WWF champion ever, but he also had a great intercontinental title run before that. You know, and, and you look at guys like Sheamus now where they've gotten away from pushing those guys to the mid-card titles and straight up to the top. I mean, Brock Lesnar would be a, a prime example. Brock went straight from, you know, winning the King of the Ring, foregoed any of the minor titles like the IC belt, and went straight after the, the WWE Championship. I'm always, I've always been a stickler for someone to kind of go through the whole mid-card system and, and, and get their chance. But, I mean, Brock was an exception to the rule because he had a look that was different. You know, he was just a, a beast inside the ring. And he was marketable. And, I, you know, I still say to this day, you go back and look at the year 2003, and I dare you to tell me that there was somebody who carried the WWE on their back more than Brock Lesnar did. There was a void left when he left in 04, a very noticeable void. Right. But, you know, as far as my, my opinion of the belt is concerned, I, I think that it should go back to building up your mid-card guys, and that's where your world title contenders come from. Having your lower tier belts too, like your intercontinental U.S. title, I think when they win those belts, it should guarantee them a future title shot at the heavyweight championship. Oh, I think so too. You know, make it make it six months down the road, and even if you lose the IC belt between now and then, you still earned a shot that you can cash in at any time. Uh, maybe that's something they could do. I don't know, but it won't happen. They're not going to change that drastically. Uh, I want to thank I want to thank uh, Eric Cole and uh, Jim three sixteen in the chat for sending me or not Eric Cole Corey Stedman and Jim three sixteen for sending me some uh, Amy Joe Johnson fix. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, I sent you one earlier where her boobs were see through. You can see through her shirt. I'll see. I, I'm gonna have to go look at those after the show. Yeah. Got to be professional. But let's move on to our next type email. In, type in Amy Joe Johnson see through shirt to what you get. Hey. Love me some Amy Joe Johnson. She's awesome. Uh, moving on to our next email, Eric Cole. First time ever listening to your show and loving it. You guys really know what you're talking about, which I love. So anyways, on tonight's yeah. Raw, I have to give this Raw a solid D-, with the only saving grace being CM Punk, who is proving himself to be one of, if not the best heel in the business right now. He has a goat beard. Yes. I, too, went into this show with extremely high expectations, but how could I not with the way they promoted it for the weeks on end? They made this show out to be something great, and they should have provided something great like a taped message from The Rock or Austin, some sort of return, or even just the revealing of the GM. I couldn't agree more. Something. This was nothing more than a subpar Raw with some highlights of memorable moments thrown in when it should have been so much more. Rick Main. I mean, even just to have Stone Cold and Jr. I mean, hell, you just had Michael Cole and Shawn Michaels together on a fishing trip. Yes. Why couldn't they, Why couldn't they have filmed something? You know, and it could have been stupid, and it could have been that cheesy Shawn Michaels DX humor. You know, you know, you saw the picture with them standing there holding their fish. The best comment was "vintage fish." You know, have Michael Cole say. Damn, HBK, that's some vintage fish. 
the whole crowd will laugh their ass off. But just have that. You know, show Jr. and Stone Cold on a golf course. You know? Have Stone Cold drive the ball or sink a putt and have Jr. go, Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Something! It could have been stupid, it could have been funny, but at least it would have been something. Well, more to the point, maybe it was the fact that guys like Jim Ross and Shawn Michaels and The Rock, maybe they just didn't want anything to do with the WWE. Maybe they've all... Maybe. You know, The, the Rock was rumored to have taken part in something that was going to happen this summer, and that fell through. It would have been great I mean, to how have... Many times, how many times have they cut to The Rock's house where he's got all his belts, that trophy case, and he's cut a Rock promo? Why couldn't they do that? Well, I agree. I, I, you know, I, I have to question, even with The Expendables being the number one movie in the nation two weeks running, you know, why wouldn't we see a Stone Cold Steve Austin come on the show and promote that? Obviously, My 60-year-old father has gone to see The Expendables three times. Well, I mean, obviously, there, there, there's obviously problems. I don't know if it's... I'm not sure if it's because it's that good of a movie or because he's getting old and it took three times for him to grasp what was going on, but... <laughs> He enjoyed it all three times. I've yet to see it. I'm going to try and go see it this week when I have time. Me too. Me too. But uh, I, I am looking forward to it, actually. But uh, to the emailer who thinks that we actually know what we're talking about, boy, we got you fooled. Ha-ha. Thanks for the email. Yeah, no, no doubt. So we're going to go on to our next email. Uh, this one's from Daniel Waquez. The Raw we saw tonight has one good match, and it was at the beginning of the show. The fact that Daniel Bryant was wrestling, and Cole just keeps talking his trash about him and slowly is entering the I'm the heel commentator role yet. Lawler was way better in that role. Uh, other, than, other than that, the show was going all the way downhill till John I'm God Cena was pinned 1-2-3 in his own hometown, thus making this show a tad bit better. And Nexus win was way overdue, not at the 900th Raw, should have been at Summerfest 2010. It's actually Summer Scam 2010. Great show. Keep it up. And here is Amy Jo Johnson naked. Thank you. Yet another James, uh, Amy Jo Johnson naked pick. You is know she what? naked? Uh, well, I can't click on it right now, but I'm sure it is. You know, I, homework. All right. There you go. Just keep keep sending those naked pics of Amy Jo Johnson to the email. That's that's awesome. Yeah. You should forward that one to me. <laughs> I'm going to forward them all to you, buddy. Uh, moving on to our last email of the night. Thanks for the email, by the way. Yes, absolutely. Very good email. And this one comes to us from our good friend Concept. Hey, I guys. I like Concept's emails. Yeah, he's got some good ones. Hey, guys. After tonight's Raw and thinking about the past Raws and just the wrestling past in general, it got me thinking, can the WWE uh, write storylines but just tend to water them down? This has been beat quite a bit in the IWC. But could the reason to dead end and short storylines be the PG focus? It seems the WWE seems to have much shorter storylines now versus the past. Shows in the 90s and the early 2000s had deep storylines and was, at the time, more focused on the adult viewer. Now the current WWE product has short-term rivalries and dead end segments. Not saying all kids are stupid, but from a marketing standpoint, it seems the WWE keeps the story simple and don't run storylines near as long as they used to back in the 90s. Agreed. Most can agree, and even I have seen us in the chat just predicting all these events of how the angles will end or whatsoever. Story is presented to us pretty accurately. 
Half of it can be our experience as long-term watchers of the product, but the other half can honestly be that. To the WWE, honestly want to make storylines too complicated to bore children or perhaps confuse them, in return making it easy for the older viewer to depict what's going to happen next. What are your guys' thoughts on this? Well, I said earlier that, you know, they have definitely watered storylines down. I mean, they have to water the matches down because all those matches in the 80s and especially the mid-90s that were 20, 25-minute Raw matches, they all involved the ring steps, the announcer table, and a steel chair, generally. You know, somebody was going through the Spanish announce table, somebody was getting a chair shot, and somebody was getting thrown into the ring steps. And the ring steps sometimes were picked up and used as weapons. You know? I mean, all that's been cut out, so therefore that cuts out a lot of time that would have been dedicated to that match. So you're right on that. Um, as far as watering down storylines, um, I think it has, again, a lot to do with, you know, too much to cover, too little time. This guy's feuding with this guy this month. Well, he may be feuding with somebody new next month or yeah. somebody new to the company next month. That's true. You never know. So there's no time to really build up any good, solid, sink your teeth into feuds because there aren't rivalries anymore. It's just moving on to the next guy. That's all it is. It's just moving on. Duck, duck, goose with the good guys and the bad guys. I thought that was it, but uh, apparently I've got another email. Of course, it went to my spam filter. Why? I have no idea, but it did. It's from Shabba-Lamba-Ding-Dong, Hardy. Hardy. Actually, no, that's not it. Oh. This one comes to our uh, comes to us from our good friend Maverick. Ah. Hey guys, if I ramble, don't mind me. I'm simply exercising my soon-to-be Prop 19 legal activities. Anyway, it really feels like I'm the only one on my network that is defending TNA anymore. I've heard a lot of people have been saying, including Spoonie from the Spoonie Experiment, I seriously have no problem watching TNA Impact more so than anything I've seen with Raw. SmackDown and the sci-fi abortion that is NXT. There really isn't anything to hate at the moment because TNA is doing something that they haven't had much luck with during their last major storyline and that something is consistency. EV 2.0 is my generation's favorite thing in the world and using them as a viable faction is something the WWE has never done outside of sticking a McMahon in there somehow. They... Maybe from the ECW, and TNA is taking advantage. But ever since ECW died, these guys went through hell trying to find another job so they don't get quickly, uh, gimmickly raped by the WWE all the time. I am once again a proud TNA fan. I have no reason to deny it, nor will I ever at least until they fuck up again. I agree with Trey, noting the haters are saying, make or nothing the haters are saying make, it makes any sense. I can see where some reputable critics say, but other than their very minor things, TNA has been very fun to watch for me. If you can, please plug my show, Running the Ropes, where I always talk in-depth and bring logic about the shows that I watch over on the Wild Talk Radio Network at wildtalkradio.com. Also, next Friday night, Rival Forge Wrestling returns to the Coconut Grove in Santa Cruz, California, and tickets are still on sale Kids are $10, adults for 15 It's going to be one hell of a show. An eight-man cage match, the start of the tag team tournament, and a gauntlet match in one night. My God, someone find my tissue. Thanks, guys. And that's from Maverick. 
I'm still trying to get some pickles from walking. Good luck with that. All right. Maverick brings up good points. Most of them are agreeing with me, so therefore they have to be good points. No ego there. No ego there. But uh, good email. Good email. All emails were good this week. No, we we have intelligent wrestling fans. I, I like reading the emails that we're getting on a on a daily basis, man. We're hitting all kinds of emails every day, which I'm loving that, quite frankly. And you know what? Hopefully more people will get on the bus with us and stop hating on TNA. I mean, I'm not getting paid by TNA. I am a fan of the product. I have reasons to hate it just like you guys do. And I do dislike some of the things they do. But overall... Maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe 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 these other internet radio shows that tell people they're idiots for their own opinions um, will continue to tell me I'm an idiot on Twitter because I like TNA. Well, you know what? Fuck you guys. I like TNA. Call me whatever you want. Well, it's only sticks and stones. It won't break our bones, right? No, I'll get just as much sleep the next day as I do today. No doubt. On that note, I think we're going to take one or two more calls, and we're wrapping this bitch up. So uh, if you want to give us a quick call, give us your thoughts on whether it was raw, whether you want to talk TNA, doesn't matter. Just talk about Crelly or Walkie Spickles. That's right. Talk about Crelly's uh, awesome job singing the the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers theme. If you want to talk about Amy Jo Johnson naked, it's all fair game here on Wrestling News Live tonight. Of course, the number to call, 501-588-7957, or just add Skype. Or excuse me, add Sunday Night Showdown to your Skype. You tell I'm tired. Yeah, it's been a long day. It absolutely has I been seriously, I seriously fell asleep twice during Raw, but I didn't miss much because I woke up. Obviously, I didn't miss much because I woke up in the same match I dozed off in, and the matches weren't long enough to sleep through, so... That shows you right there. To be honest, I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that uh, there was one point in time I looked in the chat room and said I was going to bed, and everybody said, oh, you got a show tonight, I probably would have fallen asleep. I mean, that's that's how bad it bored me. On that note, note, we actually do have a call coming in here to Wrestling News Live. Who's this? Yo, what's up? Woman X from the chat. Hey, X, what's on your mind? What's up, X? Uh, Apparently wrestling, so I wouldn't be calling in. Wrestling wasn't on my mind. Um, I really don't want to talk about Raw. I thought Raw was okay. Nothing. I wasn't offended by anything on Raw. I, I the the way I treat the TV shows is, I I kind of know what I'm getting before I watch. I I kind of understand Raw is kind of the more entertainment. Let's have segments. Let's have Santino do a segment kind of thing. I I see SmackDown more as more of a balance. NXT, it's a cluster fucking TNA. As much as I hate hate on TNA sometimes, I, I respect them because it takes balls to run against the WWE. And it takes balls to do what they're doing. And I, I have to take my hat off to them for doing that. Do I think they can do better? Yeah. But as there really is no other option it, besides from going in the indies, that's, 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 you can't really kick them any more than they're getting kicked right now. That's true. I would agree with that statement. I mean, you can only kick them so far. Anything else, X? Uh, really, the, the main reason I called in is really because I heard you, cause you guys were talking about the Nexus earlier and talking about how, you know, them five on three didn't mean much. 
And what I took from it was, like, these guys are still heels. And that's what the heels do. And they do the advantage. They get the numbers game. They cheat. They do. That's kind of what that's what they need to do. When I looked at SummerSlam, and I mentioned this in my, my I guess, my farewell column on Headlocks. I mentioned, I did a quick little thing on about the Nexus, mainly talking about the fact that these rookies were in the ring with WWE champions. They got put over. That's getting put over. You were putting the ring with WWE champions on the end of a pay-per-view, the major pay-per-view. They were trusted to go in the ring with these guys. And they took it down to the last guy being John Cena. And the ending, you can bitch about it, you can love it. The ending was what it was, and there's nothing we can do to change about it. The fact that they took out all those guys and went down to the to the last man on that team speaks a lot of values to how much trust the WWE has in this group. As establishing as single stars, you kind of really can't really do anything with them until you probably split them up. But as a group, you know, as long as they're winning and as long as they're gaining momentum, they're only going to be stronger as as you know as this storyline progresses. Well, I look at Nexus now, since Summer Fresh or Summer Scam, I look at the Nexus as a group, the way that my partner JJ looks at Sheamus as a heel. They're that same kind of persona. We can win when we have the numbers. If we don't have the numbers, we're going to tuck tail and run. We're only going to fight when we have the upper hand, and we're only going to do, you know, what we have to do to win. You know, and that's the thing that's you know, there. They're the typical bad guy, the stereotypical heel. Win when the numbers are there. Take advantage of having the odds in your favor. And when they're not, tuck your tail and run and live to fight another day. Now, with that being said, I'm okay with that. That's a great heel persona. But they're teasing us about their greater purpose, which means it's bigger than what they're doing now. This is just something to bide their time. So until they just until they reveal what that purpose is, They've got to stay strong, in my opinion, and winning a match 5-3 to three doesn't make you look strong. It just shows you, you have the numbers, and that's it, bottom line. Now, see, I, I agree. I, that's exactly what it is. I mean, Nexus, Sheamus, they all remind me of the, t- the stereotypical cowardly heel in professional wrestling. We haven't seen one of those dominant you know, heel personas that just goes out and kicks everybody's ass in a long time. And, and for what it is, it's fine. I have no problem with the Nexus getting the numbers advantage and taking advantage. I, I just, my biggest problem with the Nexus storyline is the fact that it seems they're bit, they're about to phase it out. I felt like it came on strong and it's going out weak. You know, unfortunately, Skip Sheffield did suffer an injury and he's gone. But on top of that, I'm still kind of, you know, in a word, butthurt over the finish at SummerSlam. The fact that John Cena took that DDT to the concrete, and then still managed to beat the two guys that were kicking his ass is unbelievable. It's absolutely blasphemous. <laughs> That's true, but and coming from where I'm standing, you're talking to a guy who's seen a ton of indie DVDs and the shit that goes on there and the reason they still kicked out, it doesn't... That stuff offends me more than what Cena did. Getting DDT on the concrete, you know what? Kicking, he didn't really kick out. He just dodged a 450, rolled up Gabriel, and then caught him in an STF. I've seen guys getting 
kicking out of getting nailed with chair shots to the head. I've seen guys take multiple finishers where they get dropped on their head and still kicked out. I've seen guys get the complete piss beat out of them and then kick out at one or no so. I've seen worse. That's and that's the reason it doesn't affect me because of just all the wrestling I've seen. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know. It doesn't bother well, me as much. Punch this in your calculator and see if this makes any sense to you. Here's a group that they're trying to put over as the ultimate bad guys. The guys are trying to take over. The guys are trying to phase out John Cena and his bunch of superstar-level talent to take over the company and have yet to reveal their greater purpose or who their true leader and inspiration is. The one time they lost on pay-per-view as a group, they lost because John Cena by himself was able to beat two guys at the end when they had numbers. Then, on Raw... The five of them, or six of them that are there then that next night have to earn their spots, and they do so by stupid disqualifications and countouts, not getting legit wins other than Wade Barrett and the tag team. Well, yeah, yeah, the okay. tag team. That, that, that makes them look weak again. Now your third chance to show that these guys have some backbone, some moxie, and some balls in their shorts. They've got a five-on-five match debuting or advertising heavily for a five-on-five all day long on the main event of the 900th episode of Raw. And what do they do? They make it a five-on-three, and they still barely won. So what about those three equations makes me fear this bunch? Nothing. Well, and and two X, you, you said something about you've seen a lot of wrestling. You talked about a lot of indie wrestling where that stuff goes on. You're comparing indie wrestling to what is the main event, the the big, you know, the big company in North America, where in the past, uh, you know, guys like Hulk Hogan have been fucking squashed by earthquake and it's been sold where he was hurt for weeks. We saw so we saw Jake the Snake DDT somebody on the outside of the ring and they were out of action for a couple of months. We see John Cena get freaking thrown through a damn 1,000-watt um, light and then show up the next night on Raw. It, to me, I just have problems with the continuity. You know, case in point, NXT. Nobody's watching it, obviously. But the fact that Lucky Cannon can get fucking hit a, with a skull-crushing finale and then go and, and compete in a uh, physical obstacle course challenge without having any effects after getting his head fucking smashed on a goddamn uh, briefcase... Again, this is the problem with the WWE right now. Their writers yeah, aren't taking into consideration the damage that objects inflict on a body. And that's the problem. They are not scripting you, this shit right. You, you, well, compare, well, you, compare, you, compare, you compare the WWE, who is the major league sports of wrestling to North America and to much of the world, um, with their worldwide dominance and branding, you compare that to an indie federation, that's like saying, you know, we're down by one run in the bottom of the ninth of the seventh game of the World Series with two outs. Why don't they do a suicide squeeze? They did it in single-A ball this year. They did it with the in the minors with nothing to, you know, nothing major going on, just another game. Well, you know, that was the minors with nothing on the line. This is the pros in the seventh game of the World Series. This is this is a big deal, you know. There's a big difference in what they do on the indie feds as compared to what they should do on the 900th episode of Raw's main event. All right. Before I get to that, I'm kind of just kind of jump back a little bit. But remember when Cena got thrown through the light 
he showed up limping. He didn't do anything at all. And then he got his ass kicked by Big Show for like the next three Raws in the pay-per-view. So he did so getting thrown to the light. He didn't, he should have, he fu- really he shouldn't have shown up, but the fact that he did show up right. limping, bruised, taped up, all that stuff, like they did yeah. sell the fact that he was thrown through a light bulb. And at the same time, look, the yeah. look at the old days when they would beat down DDP and WCW and he'd get beat down by two or three guys, he'll show up the next Monday Night Raw with his ribs all taped up and his shoulder in a sling. That's selling. Showing up and did give me a fake limp. That's no. Well, I got, he didn't do anything. He like feebly walked out and stood on stage. But he that should. But he shouldn't have walked out at all. Is the point? Well, again, I agree with that point. But at the same time, and then remember when he was put in the ring with the Big Show, he got dominated like yeah, two or three times. So you, and then kind of, and then throwing, and then kind of throwing it back to what you guys are saying about Nexus. And then not winning. It's just kind of like they're they're a victim of the storylines going on in the WWE. It's just like they they don't get their own thing. They're not getting like their own time. It's like they get Justin Gabriel gets a match with Randy Orton, but Orton's in a feud with Sheamus, so Sheamus has to come out and then ruin it for him. Tarver's in a Tarver's facing facing Daniel Bryan, and he's in a feud with the Miz, and the Miz has to come out. It's just like these guys need to get like they need their own thing. They're just getting sucked into right. storylines. No, nope. that. fair enough. Uh, so X, thanks for giving us a call in, man. No, no problem, guys. You guys uh, have a good rest of the night. Yeah, I've I've got one more call. I've got somebody else on the line. We got to take really quickly. Uh, welcome to Wrestling News Live. Who's this? This is Randy McWilliams from um, from Headlocks Headlines. Whatever Sunday night uh, Sunday night show. That's Sun City SmackDown. That's uh, my column. What's up? Uh, not it, man. Not not to rush you, but what's on your mind? Good. It's just something I felt that I just saw on Raw, and that's yes, people. Cena finally lost a match or whatever. He doesn't no sell all the time like you think he does because he's Superman and all this. He he actually got pinned by Justin Gabriel. Yes, a rookie in the WWE, somebody who hasn't even been pushed or who might not even get pushed just because he can't talk. So there you go, Cena haters. You have Cena winning because. We all knew he could, but yeah, just wanted to get that off my chest a little bit. Well, but by the same token, you also had five guys beating on three. Eh, true to an extent. That's. I mean, that's that's the long and the short of it. Three guys, and at that time when Cena got pinned, it was literally uh, what was it, five on two at that point. Yeah, yeah. Because Seamus had already been eliminated. So it was five on two. It's okay to let Cena take a pinfall when it's five on two. That's not gonna kill him. Mm, sure, I can see the point with that. And then I wanted to bring up how it's. I, I saw something on the forum that made me kind of mad. The how all oh, the indie spot monkeys aren't be or shouldn't be pushed to TNA since it doesn't work. It's not that it doesn't work. It's just I feel TNA hasn't really given a chance sometimes to some of them. Like they give them a push. But you look at all the people who have held the world title in TNA. The only, the first, the only, the last person to have won a world title that had not held the world title previously was Christian Cage. You look at everybody else from there. Even Samoa oh. Joe held the world title in ROH, which I just I got one. For, I got one for you. I got one for you. You ready? Yeah. Raw and Truth Killings. 
Mm, true, but that was going back to 02 when nobody really knew you can't say, him. You can't you say it never happened then. <laughs> you can't say it never uh, happened. True, happened. there has. It's just it's been a long time since you really had somebody who has it. And really a lot of the people time. don't remember that anyway because they, they weren't watching TNA then anyway yeah. for most of them. But, Why was um, I mean, the, the people that say, oh, well, the spot monkeys don't work in TNA, and then people say, oh, well, they weren't given a chance. They've been given a chance. Just like I talk That's about true. the TNA stars. The TNA stars, people say, oh, well, they're not getting their own people over. Well, they tried for seven years, eight years. If you haven't gotten yourself over in eight years, then you know what? It's probably not just the company's fault. It might be a little bit on yourself. Well, okay, yeah, that's that's true to a point. But at the same time, you've got to look at how those guys are booked, too. I mean, Samoa Joe... Just for an well, example. Joe well, thank you. Samoa Joe was yeah. was you know a monster in 2005, best wrestler in the world, you know, rated by PWI. Went into TNA and was a fucking monster. Had a great gimmick. By the time they put the world title on him, he was a whiny little bitch champion. They completely yeah, ruined totally his changed. character. They completely ruined him. And that's a lot of the problem that TNA has given their guys. I mean, even AJ Styles has been pushed wrong in that company for a long time. So, I've got your answer to this. I've got your answer to this. And Eric Bischoff said it tonight on the Monday Night Mayhem show. Um, somebody asked about the Paul Heyman thing. And, you know, I believe it was Bischoff tonight, or maybe it was something I read Bischoff said, or something somebody said. I believe it was Bischoff. But, you know, the problem is they've changed hands so many times on who's in charge of what, and who's booking what? That's why you get so many different variations of Samoa Joe. You got the bruiser, the killer, the Joe's going to kill you. Everybody wants him to have the title, but he doesn't have it, guy. Then you got Samoa Joe, the champion, who's a whiny bitch. Then you've got Samoa Joe with a dick on his face and a machete. And then you got Samoa Joe getting kidnapped in a white van with no explanation. Then you got Samoa Joe now. And. You know, the more people that come and go in places of authority in that company, you know, the weaker the product is and the credibility of the company suffers. You know, you bring up a good point, and I I just got to ask the question. Does anybody know, are Samoa Joe and Matt Hardy good friends? Because I just would love to know why he had Matt Hardy's penis tattooed on his face. I don't know. Maybe he likes Matt. I don't know, some Samoan thing. They had the whole nation of violence and whatever. Some. Maybe I mean, I understand, the Samoan, I understand the Samoan tattoos and how they mean different things and represent different things, but, you know, let's face it. Joe's not really from the Isle of Samoa. If he is, he was just born there, and now he's resided his entire life in the States. Yeah, it was perfect how they just had him as just this badass that just ripped shit up. They did it in I mean, I understand. I, I understand representing and loving your heritage, but let's don't go too far. Well, you know, the last time I worked with Samoa Joe and I was the ring announcer at said particular show, I'm pretty sure that I remember him being from Huntington Beach, California. Yeah. <laughs> but he has I mean, like Samoa Joe... First... Samoa Joe said it on Wrestling News Live at the time that we had him as a guest that he started out in wrestling as a wrestling radio host. Believe that? It's pretty awesome. Shit. Yeah. So, there you go. 
All right, Randy, is that it, my friend? But yeah, yeah, pre- yeah, pretty much. It's just sad that nobody's really been given a chance at the world title picture somewhat. But it's starting to change. Like I think AJ got a fair chance. I think Raven got screwed. Big time. Raven, Raven's oh, the one guy that got screwed. Raven got Raven screwed. Raven and but, you AJ know, got screwed. Well, AJ had every belt in the company, so I, I give him a pass. He's he's not doing too bad for himself, you know, especially yeah. the front guy in, in, in Fortune. But you talk about people not getting chances. We got four guys right now, and uh, one, two, three of them have never held that title. And you got four, three of the three of the four guys going for that belt right now have never held that title, so it looks like you're going to get your wish. Sure, you're going to get some variety. Well, I hope the Pope wins it because, well, I know you're not really a big fan of the Pope, but he. Oh, uh, I love the Pope. I love the Pope. I just don't. I just don't think he's a world heavyweight title guy. Uh, I think they can if they if they push it right because he's super over with the fans. Yeah, I mean, he's super over, and I respect his passion and and, and desire for the business. I love the Pope. I like watching him work. It's just something about him. I don't know what it is. I just don't see World Heavyweight Champion written on him. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe when they put the belt on him eventually, I'll change my mind. Well, bottom line. That's the great thing about wrestling is that we can all disagree. Bottom line, the finals are going to come down to Anderson and Angle. And I'm yeah, telling, I hope Anderson goes over, but I think Angle will. See, I'm with you. I want I want Anderson to to take that belt and run with it because whether you like Anderson or not, you know he's not awful in the ring. He's so goddamn charismatic. He's so over with the fans. And I really There's so much of a mystery around who he is and what he really is right now that it's it's a storyline within itself. Exactly. And I'm just you know what I, I love Kurt Angle. He was my favorite wrestler. When Shawn Michaels retired, Kurt Angle was the guy that kind of took on that mantle for me. So I've always had a little bit of love in my heart for Kurt Angle. But I don't want to see Kurt Angle the TNA champion again. I'm sorry. I don't. I wouldn't have a problem with Angle as champion again if they do it right this time and let him be Kurt Angle, Olympic wrestler, certified badass, not member of a fucking team of old farts that are trying to hold on to the spot. <laughs> As long as Jeff Jarrett doesn't hold the title again, I'm fine with it. I think Jeff's got one more run at him before it's over with, and it wouldn't hurt my feelings with what he's been through and what he's done for the business and the company. True. He's earned that right. After a lot of, but if it, but, if it know, doesn't last, oh, go ahead. My bad. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking with Kurt Angle's situation and the stipulation of him retiring if he doesn't win the belt. I said they're going to put the belt on him, and eventually. It'll either be Jeff Hardy, who eventually will, if he's cleared of drug charges and cleared of jail time, Jeff will take the belt from Kurt or Mr. Anderson will. It's possible. I don't know. I I just, like I said, love Kurt Angle. I want to see him go back to the E, work a very light schedule for a year or two, retire, and then make it into the Hall of Fame because that's where he should retire. I would be all right with that. I'd be all right with that. You know, he's earned it. He was one of the, the most solid performers in that company for a long period of time. Ever since his debut in 99, you know, up until, what, 2006 when he left. Uh, top of his game, always had great matches. You go back and look at some of the top ten matches in that company, and, you know, Angle Benoit has got to be at the top of that list. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Any encounter. All right, man. Well, we need, to, we need to wrap this one up. i got to get the hell out of here. Yeah, we got to go. All right, for sure. Thank you for letting me on, and I'll be out. All right, Randy, thanks for calling in. Thanks, Randy. All right. 
Mm-hmm. All right, guys, on that note, we're uh, obviously having a little overrun tonight, but uh, it's time to kind of wrap things up. So I want to thank everyone who sent us an email tonight. Keep sending those emails. Again, if you've never sent the email in, it's WNLshow at yahoo.com. And, uh, you know, we'll be sure and, and read those every Monday night right here on the air. I want to hear from some more archive listeners. I mean, nothing against our live listeners. I love you to death. But I want to hear from some of these archive listeners that listen during the week. Let us know you're out there. It won't take you 10 seconds to send us an email letting us know you're listening and for how long. Absolutely. Absolutely. On that note, Trey, anything final? Oh, well, I overshot my Internet installation time by one day. They're actually going to install my Internet tomorrow. I thought today was going to be the last day of the month, but apparently there's a 31st. Bastards. <laughs> so uh, I'm getting my Internet installed tomorrow, so that'll be nice finally. Um, other than that, man, just go read my column. It's posted up on uh, from headlocks to headlines.com. It's titled, Why Are We All So Bitter?, Shoot me an email, send me a message on Facebook, leave a comment right there on the article. Let me know what you think. Let me know that you read it. Maybe if I get enough feedback, I'll do another one. I'm not saying I will, but I might. So here's your chance to try to bait me into doing something else. Um, I'm looking forward to TNA. I want to see what happens with them going forward. And just, man, try to be a fan again. Stop hating so much. Well... That's that's good advice. So on behalf of the Trey Dog, on behalf of myself, Mr. Money on the Mic, J.J. Sexay. Don't forget to tune in to Unplugged tomorrow night with the fucking foreign kid and J.J. Sexay and Shelly Martinez and her big, big titties. Absolutely. And don't forget, I'll be breaking down uh, who wins NXT tomorrow. So definitely check that show out. 1130 Eastern right here on the Sunday Night Showdown Radio Network. On that note, JSK, get us the hell out of here, my friend. Cool. With that being said, thank you very much for listening to the show. Thanks for everybody uh, that participates in the forum boards, and thanks for everybody participating in the chat room. Until next week, peace, 420, kiss my ass. Good night, white people. I'm out.
Shut up.